Blog Talk Radio. What's good? It's your boy, the coach from the WWE. There's a lot of wrestling shows out there. There's a lot of talking heads out there. But nobody says more with less than WrestleCast Radio. You may not always agree with what they say. You might not always agree with what they do. But the one thing you will do is listen. WrestleCast Radio is on the air. Mr. Young, I'd like to get a training update from you. Life coach, training has been great. I ran five miles today. Run. As your life coach, I don't allow you to run. But coach, I got to get my cardio in. What am I supposed walk, to do? Walk. Walk, walk. Walk briskly. Walk briskly. So you don't want me to ever run? Maybe. Just maybe if you miss the bus. I stopped running in 1978. <laughs> wow, that was way before I was born, but... I've got I, your car keys here, coach. and it's going to take you eight hours to walk to the next town. Eight hours? Coach, why are you... Hey, dig oh. deep. If you get there too fast, I'll know you ran. I'm here to set the record straight today. I want to tell everybody in WCW why I was called terrorizing. I was brought here as a boy from France to be educated in the best schools in the United States. And I got the name by beating up all the American punks in the schools. I was given the nickname Terrorizing. Well now, I am no longer a boy. I am Jean-Paul Levesque, the greatest professional wrestler in the world today. Remember the name, Jean-Paul Levesque. There's a lot of things going on in the World Wrestling Federation right now. And yes, the Red Rooster wants to get his claw right in the middle of it and stir it up a little bit. A lot of people have been saying, what's been going on, Rooster? Well, everything's going on. The World Wrestling Federation is number one. And yes, the Red Rooster's trying to claw his way to the top of this federation. There's a lot of great talent around here, and I'll tell you why. Because the fans are the greatest. I thank each and every one of you Rooster Boosters, because with your support and my Rooster Wing hold, I don't feel like there's a guy here that I can't beat. Yukon John Nord, his partner Scott Norton, and I'll tell you what, Yukon, you made quick work at a big spike. Hey, listen up! My partner, Scott Norton, I'm going to tell you a story. We was up in the Yukon, we got up early one morning, and we was chopping trees and chopping wood, and Big Scott had got to the lumber shack before us. And everybody knows what lumberjacks eat. They eat a lot of pancakes. My name is Thurman Plug, but my friends, they call me Sparky. You call me Sparky, too. I never really worked with Hulk Hogan that much. I don't know him that well. I know you guys did in WCW. What can you tell me about the Hulk? You mean personally? Yeah, personally. Well, Mick, I didn't date him. I don't know anything about personally, but... I'm in control here. And you're going to give me what I want. You know what it is. Give me what I want. You know what I want. I've been asking for it for years. You're going to give me what I want, or I'm going to continue to hurt people you love. I'm give me what give I want. Give me what I want. Ladies and gentlemen, Randy Bryant. The last two long years is finally over. Been a long, long wait. You're going down this time, Bill. You're going down. We'll be back.
Cast Radio, Alex. It hasn't been two damn years, Bill Ass. It's just been two days. What's going on, man? Oh, it feels uh, it feels great. I mean, I'm I'm excited. Uh, New Japan is back. Giant ladders, broken light tubes, uh, and I'm just oh. I'm I'm loving this dark side of the ring over on Viceland. I believe by uh, Jason Eisner, uh, with some help, of course, from uh, Bruce Pritchard. Uh, Comrade Thompson and a host full of others. Have you had a chance to watch any of these yet? Is this the thing where they did like uh they did like a Bruiser Brody one? Yep, that was uh, the one that was uh, they aired at Starcast last year that we were at um, in Chicago. They had the special screening there, but they did uh, Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth um, that inside was the first and one, outside right? of the ring. Correct. Yep. Yep. And the okay. second one was the uh, Montreal Screwjob. Uh, third one was the Bruiser Brody. Uh, which Abdullah the Butcher, shame on you, sir. Um, and the fourth <laughs> one was about the Von Eriks, which I was actually Ooh. watching, listening to the uh, NBA special um, that Sportscast Radio did last week. Uh, check it out uh, on blogtalkradio.com forward slash strong style media or wherever you could download a podcast. Just look up strong style media. Um, and uh, I wanted to text you. was like, wow, I knew of the Von Eriks, of course, but they're just their storied history the you know territory that they had the you know i don't know what did they do 60,000 people when it was you know uh Carrie and Rick Fl- just so many crazy stuff oh, man. and then to find out that Carrie Von Eric had his foot amputated and wrestled for many years and pretty much <laughs> no one knew that blew my freaking mind and and of course the bad luck um that the Von Erics you know kind of sustained there but uh, and but the the grandsons of of Carrie Von Eric, um, and I want to say, uh, gosh, the the remaining one, um, was it Kevin Von Eric? Um, uh, Kevin, his, I think, is the the final one. Yeah. Yep, yep. Kevin, his two sons, who I mean, fit the mold of a a wrestler, professional wrestler, but be the Von Eric, uh, just were signed by MLW, I believe. Yeah, I Marshall and ago, Ross so. Van Eric. Um. So yeah, they are are, are brick uh, brick houses for sure, uh, and hopefully <laughs> we'll carry on the legacy. Um, and the one I'm uh, about to finish, which I I've heard of the name, you know, of course, you know, listening to uh, something to wrestle, um, you know, uh, with Bruce Pritchard in the Houston wrestling territory of the '80s about Gino Hernandez and his yes! uh, his murder yes! death. But the one I'm really intrigued by is the finale next week about fabulous Mula, because again. You know, fabulous Mula from the Attitude Era, from her getting her, you know, going through a table or, you know, being part of a delivery of a rubber hand. But, you know, hearing over the years from various, you know, shows or reading various things on the internet of, uh, you know, just how brutal she was um, to women wrestlers and, and whatnot. And, and uh, it's going to be an interesting watch for sure. So uh, fantastic. Hopefully season two um, will will be uh, something we see in the near future. But uh, one of the big things, Ryan, from the uh, Montreal Screwjob, you know, we've seen many different incarnations of it. You know, WWE did their whole, you know, special, I think one of the great documentaries they actually did, whether, you know, how much it was WWE fabricated and whatnot. But towards the end of it, Scott Hall comes out and says it was totally a work. Everybody was involved in on it. You know, they just, you know, essentially played it, you know, close to the chest. What are your thoughts on that? Lance Storm uh, says that's definitely guess on Hall's part. 
But uh, what do you think of that, uh, that allegation? I I by no means think that that was a work because that if you if you notice when guys are working and not shooting, there's a difference with some of the way they act and things they do, and you know that was that was a fabricated shoot. I mean that you want to talk fabrication? <laughs> that was I mean think think of this where the work shoot with um. NZO and whatever the <laughs> Kaz, whatever the hell his name. You mean is. that catastrophe of an idea? Yeah, where you know they, they come out and they're the Briscoes are just beating the hell out of him. But you know, it, I'm assuming it was an angle with the Briscoes from what people said because they didn't get thrown out. But if you watch how they were throwing punches and were getting separated, there wasn't security there yet. Yeah, the people that didn't know about it, got, you know, Tomatonga and Tongaloa they walked to the back and threw the titles on the ground and said, this is the kind of crap that ruins wrestling. And they wanted no <laughs> part of it. And you could tell by their actions when they left that they were like, yeah. nope. And they were pissed off. And <laughs> you don't do that. And you're not, you know, Oh, your champs are pissed off. Well, I wonder why it's, it's yeah. not something you just do and then get a, a, an actual reaction out of that. This was, I mean, he clear, I mean, look at the way that, that Bret Hart was reacting. Like he, if, if but that's what Scott work. Hall was saying. He was like, A, how are the cameras you know, going to be right there at specific spots, especially with him spelling out WCW, the spitting on McMahon, how the camera guy just was apparently there. But also he was like, what boss is just going to let you get punched in the face or let himself punch in the face? Oh, I think I think the answer to that for me is Vince McMahon is a smart man, but he's a man. Look, he yeah. screwed him. You know what? Take your shot. Go ahead yeah. and do it. You, you deserve. I'm a man. I I effed you over. Go ahead and give, give me your best shot. I'm going to give you one free one. But if you think about <laughs> it, Vince McMahon is not a dipshit. Or at least mm-hmm. he wasn't back then. He was smart back then. <laughs> um, you know. Go ahead and let him show WCW on there. Go ahead and let mm-hmm. him spit at me. Let's, you know, you have you have million dollar camera, a million dollar production team. They're gonna know when to get in the right place when you have the right producer. You know, Kevin Dunn's in there doing this. He knows where to find to what to look for. Exactly. And, and, it, yeah. and look what it did. It turned it the Montreal screw job was a blessing in disguise in a weird way because that's where we, we got Steve Austin is where that came from. And mm-hmm. and by Vince doing it, that was that to me was the key moment with making Stone Cold Steve Austin. As much as everybody talks about, you know, the King of the Ring, yes, that character started to develop itself. But this this allowed Vince McMahon to be an on screen character and become a heel. And he started getting mic work, you know, and he started putting himself out there, a la what Bischoff did. And and I I. Well, I assume he would never admit this that he took this idea, but you know damn well Vince McMahon went. Man, I wish I would have did the Eric Bischoff before Eric Bischoff did it. Uh-huh. Why don't I go out and just do it? Because think of when Bischoff did the NWO thing. I mean, that was they were huge with that. They had the guy in their back pocket. So what did he do? He started the corporation. He got going with Steve Austin, and they made the biggest star they had. And then they took their other biggest star they had and aligned him with him. And you, I mean, the rest is history. So. You know, if that's going to happen, damn well film it. It's just like Eric Bischoff said. When DX drove the tank, that tank down there, and he challenged Vince McMahon, 
he said, damn right, if we would have opened that door and Ming and Barbarian were standing there, which DX said, oh, we would have pissed our pants. He said he would have been there with a camera and would have been filming it if they didn't talk him out of it. But a bunch of the guys said, just don't do it. Just don't do it. He wanted to go film it and show the WWF guys on his channel on Nitro. I mean, they're smart enough to a T where I feel Vince was like, we're going to have footage for years. And when Brett comes back to us, because he knew he would, because they always all come back, now we can start shilling DVDs. Uh, I mean, it, it, you had to film that. That's why I don't think it was, a, I think it was a shoot. They were just, they knew what was going to happen. So why not get it on camera? Yeah, why not, you know, essentially take everything that, um, yeah, just take all the heat from that. Because, I mean, they were coming off such great stuff with Bret Hart, with, you know, the, you know, uh, the, the In Your House, the uh, Canadian Stampede. They were just coming off so many hot things, you know, where, where the NWO, you know, of course, was, was still, you know, hot and popping. But it's just crazy how the NWO, you know, like you were saying, and I, I totally when you said the whole Bischoff, you know, when he gets power bombed and he's, you know, the, in the front pocket of the NWO, then Vince starts coming around, you know, with, with him turning Mr. McMahon, the corporation. And just think it all started from new Japan from the battle formation <laughs> show back in 96. So it's all full, full circle when it comes to, uh, to, to Tokyo <laughs> there. So, uh, very interesting too. stuff. Let me say this too. Um, if, if you're Vince McMahon, and and you're you're you knew what was going to happen. You have to show your pay per view audiences because now, what do, what are they going to do tomorrow night? They're going to go on, and and they're going to turn on both shows, mm-hmm. and and they're going to go. Oh my god, I got to see what's going to happen on Raw because of what happened. But I got to watch Nitro because I want to see Bret Hart and see what he does. And Vince McMahon put up, and they didn't put Bret Hart on TV the next night, which was the stupidest thing they could have done. The first thing that should have been on Monday Night Show was Bret Hart walking down the aisle, and they didn't do it. And now all those people that probably turned to Nitro and went, well, that's stupid. He said WCW is not even here. Now they're going (laughs) back to Raw. It's like saying you're going to get a title versus title match (laughs) on Raw. And then, you know, turn it into a damn tag match. That no one has any idea of. See, like you said, Vince used to be great with ideas and then just started tumbling down. No, but I definitely recommend this dark side of the ring. I mean, I'm, they definitely have it all the time over on Viceland, especially on Wednesdays. So uh, get the DVR set. Some very interesting looks. Uh, I want to see Gino Hernandez one. That one I really want yeah. to see because Gino Hernandez was awesome. That was a the prototypical... 80s heel yeah and you know i wish with you know awa and and stuff like that i wish could have got more exposure out of him before you know he's showing his promos um that they did man yeah you could definitely you know uh one person i thought of right away was mjf you know just how they can carry himself so smoothly and and just you know just so quick-witted and i was just Wow, you know, I always say he's he's your protocol classic heel. That's why it works so well in wrestling today. And and you could definitely uh, see Gino Hernandez being a proponent of of the MG MJF character. You know, and and it was it was uh, 
that's that was one thing too is is I um, didn't get to see a time. I mean, he died in '86. I was three, but I watched a mm-hmm. lot of it later on in the '90s with you know tape trading and RF video and stuff. And you watch a lot of world class. I don't know why I said AWA, um, but you watch a lot of world class. And I think that's what's awesome about with you mentioning the Von Erichs thing is these shows yeah. you would watch these shows and you would see the Von Erichs and the Freebirds and yeah. the people wouldn't sit down and. And and then on the undercard, you got guys like Gino Hernandez who are who are rocking and rolling on those shows. Um, you know he's feuding with with you know he's he's doing he even he had a tag tag run with uh with Tully Blanchard, uh, as top heels. Um, wow, you know him and uh, Jake the Snake were uh, yep. a, a tag team for a minute there too. With uh, gentleman Chris Adams, he tagged with too. Yep. Um, so I mean he was he was awesome, and then they feuded with with the Von Erichs too. I mean, he was he was ahead of his time, and it's one of those things too where I think um, a lot of people don't give enough credit to a company like World Class because mm-hmm. if you really want to see some good stuff, I mean, go and watch these World Class shows. They were light years ahead of their time. Um, I mean, and it sucks too, you know. I mean, you, and they were doing big numbers. It. Like I said it earlier. I mean, they oh my gosh, they were selling, selling out, the, you know. Stadiums, you know, yeah, like kid was twenty eight years old. I mean, he died from cocaine, um, and people are going to recognize him. Well, just wait to that... watch, just watch this. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe I'm wrong then. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> there are layers about. on layers. He reminded me too for a while, just the way that he talked, and of course the look, man. I I, I kept like forgetting. I'm like, wait, that's not Rick Martel. Like, there was totally, like, parallels of that, where I'm not saying that's where he kind of took the character, but there there are definitely shades. You know, just imagine Gino Hernandez, if, you know, he didn't pass away, how he could have maybe taken that to more, more of a national stage, you know, when and if he would have been called up, because he would have been a, a great uh, uh, opposition for you know, a Hulk Hogan, you know, kind of during that stretch in the late 80s, early 90s, or, you know, even mid-card there, so... Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely one of the big what ifs because just watching the the little that I've seen tonight, uh, my God, he was he was special. And I mean, you know, he was he was he was young. He was trained by Jose Lothario for people who recognize yep. that name for Shawn Michaels. So, um, you know, and he was doing a, a a lot of a lot of things that I mean, the dude the dude was from what I remember from his death, which is now I'm, I'm intrigued by this, you know, guys like Gary Hart, who's, who's a big, big legendary manager that not a lot of people know about or give credit to, but he, people probably remember him from that, that don't watch a lot of this kind of stuff from WCW or NWA. He managed the great Muda. He was the bald dude. Um, he managed Bud Sawyer guys like that when they feuded with Flair and sting. Um, so Gary Hart was was influential with this with this kid and tried to get him to kick that habit. So that's why I always thought it was that when they, you know, supposedly from what I know, they found him dead for four days with cocaine in his mm-hmm. stomach. But maybe like you said, there's foul play. I know a lot of guys said he ran with the wrong kind of crowd. Now I'm really intrigued by it that maybe it was something more. So I think I know what I'm going to be doing either tonight or tomorrow <laughs> after Rockerrier. And, um, and world class championship wrestling definitely on the WWE network. One of the uh, I guess bright 
books that that company has at the moment. Um, yeah, they have stuff all the way from 1982. Um, it looks like here and, and all the way up to 88. So some damn interesting, uh, you know, kind of screen caps here. You got iron chic here in one, um, you get, uh, yeah. Tony Atlas, just lots of, uh, interesting talent, a ninja and a watermelon. Look, I'll say this too. If going back with the Carrie Von Eric, and I'm glad you brought all this stuff because I like talking about this old stuff. I love watching a lot of this old wrestling because I like the simple. I gotta start watching this. Wrestling. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of simple, great tag wrestling. You know, just little things. And mm-hmm. a guy like Carrie Von Eric could have been one of the biggest draws in all of wrestling had he not killed himself. I mean, he was yeah, pain, so pain pills good. and just addiction, man. It's it's crazy. And just the brothers that they tried to get to replace the other ones, the pressure, you know, that that yeah. laid upon them that led to their death, or you know, one that was trading so hard because he was like the non-stereotypical Von Eric. You know, he was the smaller one. Where it just, you know, again, just all that pressure just led to, you know, suicides. It's just such a sad effect. <laughs> There is a ninja with a watermelon. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Oh, oh man, yeah. Go go back and watch. You know, like Gino Hernandez was a was a was a pretty technically sound wrestler. He, you know, he definitely had that Southern Tully Blanchard esque type of formula with a lot of his stuff. But man, he was ahead of his time with his promos, and it was something that oh god, you know, yeah. obviously. When I'm a teenager, tape trading, I'm kind of, you know, I'm starting, you know, that's when we're doing our, our wrestling in the basement. We're doing those kind of things. And, you know, he was he was a guy whose promos, just like Chris Candido, really were like, man, this is kind of the guy I want to be. This is, if I ever became a wrestler, yes. I want to be Chris Candido and, and Gino Hernandez and, you know, with a splash of Ric Flair in it just on the, on the, the cocky side, but I mean, that was, and, and once again, it, you know, it wasn't, Oh, I want to be Hulk Hogan or, you know, it was the guy, the Southern wrestlers that end up. You didn't want to be the ultimate heel. Come on. <laughs> hey man, that dude raked more backs and gouged more eyes than probably Abdullah did in his days. I rewatched that Muda match and yeah, that's, oh, it's awesome. it really is. I mean, Granted, the double axe handle uh, as the finish, which was a legit finish apparently the back axe then. Axe bomber. Yep, axe bomber. It was. Uh, besides that, uh, I freaking love that match. I probably watched it a few times over the last couple of weeks, and then Jordan bringing that up, uh, sportscast radio host, uh, made me rewatch that there. So um, very interesting. And now, right now, a WCCW match that they have a main event. Uh, Kerry Von Erich versus Gino Hernandez back in 85, yeah. which you know, I'm definitely for putting on. Who said that uh, Hulk Hogan couldn't work? He could work. He just didn't. He, he was smart enough to realize he didn't have to. You know, he had no reason to in WWF to do that. But you put and he even in says Azula. it in his promo. He's like, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, all that BS moves that I have to do out there. He's like, this is what I love. Like he wanted to wrestle more new Japan just and for that fact this, to showcase. Maybe this sways your mind a little bit about the finish, but in, in, in 
strong style and King's Roads kind of matches like All Japan and New Japan and all that would run. The you know the the uh-huh. fight you know slow to the to the huge build to the finish and it's hard hitting. Six foot six, three hundred pound man with twenty four inch size biceps is charging you and double axe handles you in the chest. That to me in real life would suck. Oh, so in front of those fans who you know believe a giant lariat because of how big the man is can put you down to sleep. This guy's collapsing your chest cavity. Like he's coming. I mean, that's that's why I say like with you know the axe bomber. You know he's lariat and clubbing. I mean he, it's it's violent. He it, did an enzigiri for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, he did. Perfectly, by the like, way. He's like, yup. <laughs> oh so man. Dumb. Damn, who is that? Who is that? Butch Reed. No, it's the Ice Man. Oh, Ice Making Parsons, let's go. That dude, like, <laughs> did a lot of Google Ice Making Parsons when he got downtime and uh, see the, the, the stuff that that man got involved in. I honestly thought that was that was uh, Demetrius for a second. <laughs> He's nice. King man. Parsons, whoa. He's still alive and he's living in the loo. Man, I spent King Parsons was tight. That dude did some wild stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he was with uh, Buck Sumhov, who uh, is is arrested. Um, who was he with? Who was the guy with him in the Ebony Express? Damn, I can't remember who it was with. Oh, uh, uh, Action Jackson, Perry Action Jackson, I think it was. They feuded with. Um, with Colonel De Beers and some other guy, uh, Colonel De Beers was beating up an African American referee, Larry Sampson, and uh, was was supposed to be ice making Parsons' cousin. This is in UWF, um, Herb Adams, I think, <laughs> before Bill Watts took it over, and uh, so he came out and got started going to town with them, and then they started up the 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 whole the whole gimmick again in USWA. Ah oh, man, it was tight. Holy crap, uh, think, he joined uh, the Freebirds after uh, P.S. left, and then Michael Hayes joins up with Carrie and Kevin Von Erich. What? <laughs> wow. I got to start watching this instead of Mondays and Tuesdays. This would be a better uh, serving of my time. Jeez. They, they did the uh, the Blackbirds, uh, uh, a trio also in the in the same, same thing. Uh, he, he beat... Uh, he beat Kerry Von Erich for the world class title too. Um oh, at the wow. at the big auditorium. Yeah, it was it was tight. Uh, what's his name? Paul Barry used to manage him. I mean it, dude, there's so much cool stuff. Like you go back and watch this and you're like, Holy crap, I didn't know that guy like I, I watched Lockdown twenty two thousand nine for don't ask me why the other day. I just was it on, on Pluto T V? <laughs> It might have been. I was half a. They have a. It, they have a whole TNA channel where they just play TNA random, twenty four <laughs> hours. It was so. It was uh, Hernandez and Homicide, and uh, it, it was for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles. The tag champions were the Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Saban and uh, Alex Shelley. They Murder. defended against Homicide and Hernandez, and the third team was. Team No Limit, which was the at the time he wasn't the Tokyo pimp yet, but Yujiro Takahashi and uh, a young Tetsuya Naito. What? Yeah, it was awesome. Wow. Same show had a five way with uh, with uh, Kiyoshi, 
uh, Suicide, Consequences Creed, Jay Lethal, <laughs> and Sean Devari. Like, it was wild watching some of this old stuff. Just think, think that was I, only 10 years ago. I know. It's like, what? Oh, man. Good time. There was more people at this WCCW show than there was at Tuesday night SmackDown uh, events. Like, no joke. There are way more people here back uh, 34 years ago than there is in 2019. What the hell? Oh, you know why? Because they had consistent storylines that made sense. (laughs) The, The heels got over on the faces, but then the faces overcame things. Wow, it wasn't fifty fifty booking every week. There's he's there's talking a couple crap. Points. He spits at a Von Eric, and they're both wearing black t- uh, trunks, by the way. <laughs> Which I've never seen, but they're both just they look the same. Just one has beautiful curls, and the other just has short hair. But they're both wearing that... black trunks. That's nuts. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man, some of that stuff is really fun to watch. It's it's really fun to watch, man, because the crowds are so jacked for that stuff. Man, they should so, uh, pay attention to their own archives of other companies <laughs> if they want to uh, prime up with uh, what uh, Turner and, and TNT is going to announce next week. Ooh. Ooh. So, oh, boy. I, I, now that we're 30 minutes in, um, I just realized, um, how do you want to start this? I have to make a, I have to make a glaring confession to you um, that you may not be happy Whoa. with. Um, I fell asleep last night and did not watch Duntaku, so I still haven't seen it. But okay. I know we can't, we can't keep waiting. I watched a, like, three-minute, um, like, music video of the Phantasmo Ishimori <laughs> versus... Uh, Osprey and Dragon Lee match, so I saw the 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 finish. You know they got over Phantasma like they should um, with that yep. disgusting like it straight took a minute, jacket, but gotch dri- pile driver. Um, so why don't we just go to that first? Give me your thoughts of the stuff you watched. Did you so like night one? Did you watch the full shows or did you watch partial? I actually did watch uh, the whole show of, of night one, Wrestling Dantaku. Um I, I had to sit through uh, Toa Hanare, you know, kind of with the uh, the six-man uh, Young Lion match there. Um, just because I was yeah. like, yeah, I'll check it out. Um, which uh, Toa Hanare challenged for the open, uh, open uh, heavyweight championship right after, which I was like, dude, step in line. And, and we'll get into that a little bit here, but um, uh, a little later here, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was fine. I mean, I, I would say the best part was seeing that beautiful bridge pin um, from uh, Red Narita to get the win. Team uh, Team Narita right here. I forgot, uh, especially from my flub last week, but hey, I am a huge fan of uh, pretty much all of the uh, the Young Lions, because let's be real, uh, they are the future of, of professional wrestling, especially over in New Japan, cannot wait to see where their excursions take them. Um, but let me yeah, ask you this real quick: too crazy there. Yep. Um, Shoto Minu, Ren Narita, Yonosuji, Yuya Yamura. I think Yonosuji and Yuya Yamura. I'm glad are getting they're they're done with their draw battle that they would do every night, and now they're starting to get wins over each other. And one of them's just yoked, and the other is just your 
big barrel chested Japanese strong guys. So they fit yeah. two good molds, but they're they're really good, and they feel like they've caught on really quick. Um, obviously, back in the day, we had the young lions weren't as prevalent with nowadays of people being happy about them. You know, I mean, we we had Okada and Naito, and you know, we saw those guys as young lions before. Uh, but with the company getting bigger, they're starting to throw so many more out there. If you take those two, or excuse me, those four, and I guess two part question, mm-hmm. you could, I guess if you really want to do it, you could add um, Hirai Kawato and Tomo Yukioka, who, by the way, I was also thinking maybe Tomo Yukioka is the guy coming back from excursion for the Juice Robinson thing because he's been in oh. Red Pro for his excursion. So you could maybe put over the British thing because he's been in RevPro. Um, could be reaching with that. But if you want to crop in uh, Kawato and Oka, or if you want to leave them out and just talk these four, I mean, this, is, this has got a good chance to be the best crop of young lions they've ever had. Because they're literally having arguably – when you get rid of the big main main match or two that happens at the end of these shows, they're having the best match of the night, mm-hmm. and they're just ten minute draws. <laughs> yeah, I mean the crowd for sure. I mean is is, and I don't know if it's just because I'm paying more attention or people, you know, have the ease of the stream now. You know, capabilities here where you know they, they can pay more attention to these talents. Where and just knowing the history of the Young Lions, um, you know, over the last decade here, and and what we've seen, you know, these wrestlers come out of, um, or who they become, it's just something where I I think people are paying a little bit more um, attention to it. Where I mean, you would have asked me a year ago, I what was my my first reaction? Oh, I didn't watch this match. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna watch this match. Even if it has Toa Hanare, I'm going to watch this match. Even if it's going to pain me to see Honma, you know, kind of walk down and be like, dude, don't do the headbutt. Oh, you're going to do the headbutt? Oh, stop doing the headbutt. Um, but it's something oh, that oh, I'm God. watching because, oh, again, God, the, no. the, <laughs> because of the four young men, you know, kind of in there. Yes, I I'm permanently have my blinders on only two. But Yoda Suji, you know, and, and uh, Yu Yamura, because, you know, it seems like I haven't seen those names on cards for a while. But, you know, kind of watching them a little more, I was like, okay, I can get down with this. Now, at night two, I didn't watch the full show because, again, it was primarily a lot of, you know, eight-man tags. Oh, the powder. Um, You know, so I figured it was the same old, same old. (laughs) But um, because everybody can see what happens. I think that's why the powder is so effective. It's like, oh, oh, that son of a bitch just threw it. How does the ref not see this? It's everywhere. <laughs> There's still a cloud. That must have been a lot of cocaine. Um, what if it was? Oh, Here's no. a treat. Here's a treat. <laughs> Didn't find any baking powder. This was in my locker. Sorry. But no, um, no, but this was definitely uh, some really good, you know, matchups. You know, Yoda Suji, you know, kind of being a, a, a brick uh, bleep house, if you will. But he can move. He's not yeah. kind of like the uh, the previous vampire young lion whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, but, uh, yeah, there we go. 
But Yoda Suji, he's one where I'm like, okay, I got to watch this guy because he could be kind of like a new evil, you know, in three or four years, you know, when it comes to that, where he's, he's big, but they're also, you know, can, can be very, you know, viable, um, you know. Kind of like it seems like, uh, you know, a lot of Japanese wrestling, you know, especially coming off of the Champions Carnival, where you're like, yep. Ishikawa, he's only going to do lariats and headbutts, and he's doing dives and tombstones and, uh, you know, just random irregular- irregularities that a man his size should not do. So, you know, uh, yeah, no, you, this was a uh, a fun match. You mentioned Ishikawa, and I'm glad you did, because not to get off topic, but I meant to say this last last week. Um, when we talked about, you know, ah, you know sometimes Suwama just wasn't there, it felt like. And, you know, Ishikawa has his four and a half star match, but then it's his next one was kind of a dud. But then he came back into this. Yeah, people got to look too. Those guys are both 43 years old yeah. and have a lot of miles on those bodies. So they got to pick and choose when they do things. And if you look at the Suwama match he had at the end of the, the tournament with Naoya Nomura, he chose his battle. And oh my God, when he went out there and did it, he did it. And I say this to you, too, with, with now you seeing everybody, kind of like how you watched the Nomura match with Miyahara, that one from March 19th, that was so good. I'm going to see if I can find the one from February, I believe it was. But Miyahara defended the title against Suwama, and people are saying that's the best Miyahara match of the year because wow. Suwama brought it. He, he went full on just like he did. And, it, I mean... I, it, it's so, it's really good, man. It's, and it, it's another one of those reasons where I go, man, Kento Miyahara is a distant number one for wrestler of the year. I don't know if you saw the, um, the tweet I sent out voices of wrestling, um, replied to us on it, but you know, we'll get to that when we talk the big Japan show, but mm-hmm. I mean, this, that, that carnival just made stars, but, um, Duntaku here going back to that. And otherwise I'm going to keep getting crazy. Uh, what about the Suzuki Goon Eight Man? Was, did we get more Liger Suzuki? Oh, did we ever? I mean, what was nice about it is uh, what was great is, is Suzuki kind of went, you know, kind of to everyone but Jushin Thunder Liger in the beginning. Like, you know, of course the attacks, you know, happened early on. You know, it was kind of a a melee to begin there. Um, but then Suzuki, when he got his sights on Liger, he was just attacking the arm. What was great too is he had a uh, um, essentially an arm bar through the guardrail on Liger, which I was like <laughs> the, the pressure on that was was pretty nuts there. Um, Tiger Mask doing his best uh, Liger impression, kind of in the ring, hitting a few Liger bombs, you know, on on Takamishinoku there. Um, but no, I mean essentially, yeah, it was just Suzuki. Pretty much trying to rip the arm off uh, of Liger there. Uh, Mishinoku driver onto Tiger Mask, though, uh, you know, kind of get the win there. But what was crazy is he, he still had the arm bar on, on Liger, again, pretty much <laughs> towards the last couple of minutes on the match. And then, you know, the young Lions are trying to get him off. Of course, Suzuki has a, none of that. Then he gets Shota Aminu in an arm bar. And then he just, like, starts, you know, wailing on a hip. Then he goes into the audience, he goes to the crowd, and then he grabs a chair, like while a guy is sitting on it, grabs the chair, and then um and then Liger gets a chair. Liger then throws the chair at Suzuki. Then he bring then Suzuki grabs the chair that he had, brings it back to the fan, 
And then the fan tries to shake Minoru's hand. He's like, I ain't got time for that. Just pretty much like <laughs> waves his hand back. And then he slides away. And then the, the chair that Liger throws at him, he throws back, but he doesn't hit Liger at all. He hits uh, one of the young lions right in the elbow. He throws <laughs> it hard. That probably hurt like a bitch. Oh, totally. And I was like, oh, my God, you just killed that kid's career just because of <laughs> one crazy shot. So, I mean, I as, love I mean it. as a match, it wasn't anything that you want. And of course, you get your, your, your aerial maneuvers. You know, like I said, you get a Liger bomb, Tiger mask. Yoshihashi was just there. He's literally filler. <laughs> um, I don't remember him. I thought he was part of the Young Lions for a second until I realized, wow, that guy's aged terribly. But it was great just due to the fact that Suzuki just had Liger in an armbar throughout the whole time, and then the uh, the aftermath there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was great for you know, kind of setting up for hopefully the match coming up at Dominion. There, I wish now that this would be the dome match, um, January 4th, but uh, yeah. hey, sooner rather than not is what I always say. So, um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was pretty good just for just for the nonsense and the uh, chair throwing and, and just seeing that fan disappointed as he didn't get to shake daddy's hand there. Uh, next up, we had a, uh, another six-man tag. Real quick on yep. that. Taka gets a pinfall. Taka won. Yeah. When was the last time Taka's won a match? I, I'm pretty sure there was one a few months ago. And I mean, I understand and because maybe you got to heat him up. you got to heat him up for yeah. the tournament. For the tournament, But I was yep. like, holy... I'm, I'm reading these results. And I'm like, oh my god, he won. The uh, the quick <laughs> overview I'm going over says, um, I even forgot Yoshihashi was in it because he was a total non-factor outside being briefly <laughs> tagged in at the beginning. <coughs> That's awesome. Um, no, I honestly yes. have that in my notes. I was like, Yoshihashi question <laughs> mark. Like all my description I have in my notes in my phone was just involving chairs and arm bars, and that's literally all the match was. But hey. You know, it was what it was, and, and it still baffles me on the following night where you don't get these two guys back into the ring, but we'll get into that yeah, uh, a weird. little later on. Um, um, there's something when you're done going over this next six, man. I Somebody yep. mentioned this to me, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. So, uh, so you know, go go over the match here, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you the question after then. All right, here we got Team MVP, uh, Togi Makabe, Toriyanu, Will Ospreay, I'm uh, taking on Tamatanga, Tongaloa, and Hikaleo. Um, what was interesting is after watching that TLC match with the Swords of Essex and Aussie Open from Progress, a bread knife there, um, he just wrestles in jeans. So it's kind of weird to kind of go to and fro where it's like, all right, he has New Japan gear, and then he just wrestles in jeans on the other show. But besides that, I mean, <laughs> nothing too crazy, uh, you know, on, on this match. Uh, Makabe, you know, just kind of coming in to be the muscle every now and then. Osprey doing, you know, some some flips, you know, on Hikaleu. Um, but the worst part slash best part was uh, as he was about to, uh, you know, do one of his uh, aerial. I guess you could take or you could put aerial back on his Twitter handle um, since he will be going back in the junior uh, best of super juniors. Um, was he was going to go for one of his uh, bounce back possible ass cutter maneuver but as he was doing that uh Giotto just hits him with the uh with the kendo stick there 
and that ish definitely looked like it had the hurt there. Um, but then, you know, he, he just tries it again. He hits the ass cutter. It, the match, you know, ended pretty much as soon as it started. Nothing too crazy, to be honest with you. Um, you know, again, uh, Osprey getting the win on Hikaleu. Or Hikaleu, um, you know, G.O.D. <laughs> did their G.O.D. stuff. But uh, Bullet Club taking a loss, uh, you know, on the uh, – actually on their sixth anniversary, you know, on, on that day as well. So it was pretty pretty fun to uh, kind of get that there. Well, ain't nobody realer than Gorilla as their theme song says. That's for sure. Um, so here's a question for you. Um, somebody somebody or brought up the thing of if you could take one guy, because everybody always goes, man, I wish we could have Kento Miyahara in the G1 Climax, or I yeah. wish we could have you know things like that. Well, with the ground that was just covered, especially what we talked about from the last month, people are saying, you know, Obviously, all Japan's trying to get it back together. They have, they're running these these weird hotel concerts from shows. They have no commentary. Two hundred people there. It's not packed, and it's it's a great product that nobody's watching. But they're building new stars. They're building new talent, and they're they're doing everything correct to get mm-hmm. back on the forefront of Japanese wrestling. So hopefully, time will just it'll just happen. Where they just gotta not not change the course, and Jun Akiyama just needs to keep doing the great things he's doing. With that being said, somebody proposed the question of, who is somebody you'd like to see in the Champions Carnival? And Ooh. one name that immediately came into my head, and I, would, I said Alex is going to bone her hard when, when I say this to him, is Tomohiro Ishii. <laughs> Watching Ishii in there with, oh my god. Ishikawa and Suwama and Miyahara and Dylan James and you know I guess you could say Yuji Okabayashi this year or Zeus, um, yeah, Jake Lee guys like that. That there's Joe Doring if he's healthy. Holy crap! If we get some matches, we thought Ishii can have a great G1, a fresh crop of matches we never saw before against some pretty equally talented guys would be amazing. So I know that's an easy no-brainer. I want but to see guy, him in Cyber Kong. That would be awesome. They look like <laughs> <laughs> they just stare at each other, going, "Bro, yeah. <laughs> that'd be awesome." You find out he there's was, a whole lineage history with those two. Be like, "Whoa!" It all comes hey, to a head. He would throw the throat thrust, and Tomori Ishii would start selling his neck profusely because he's so good at selling. Um, <laughs> But there's a guy that I've equally watched sell sell one of the most disgusting things when Ishii threw a lariat at this man so hard that he started selling his jaw by holding his mouth. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's selling his mouth. I've never <laughs> seen that, and it's incredible. And he's kind of fallen to the wayside over the last couple of years. Um, he was still putting out great straight stuff with the Never Title 2013, 2012, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. the guy that got proposed to me that I wanted to bring to you is we know this guy always shows out during the G1. How much fun would it be to have Togi Makabe in the Champions Carnival? Ooh. Um, I mean, he's the uh, the classic heavy, as as I like to say. Um, I think he would be a little bit, I don't know. That would be, I mean, I love the Tomohiro Ishii prospect. Um, Makabe, 
I mean, I wouldn't foresee him as a, you know, as a guy that could lead, you know, maybe six or eight points. You know, I don't see him, you know, kind of being in the running for it. But yeah, some of those big guy matches, those Haas matches, that would be damn interesting. I mean, he'd be a lot faster than some of them too, which could prove some, you know, some some problems, uh, especially with like a Suwama um, or even an Ishikawa. But uh, man, him just looking up at those two, like especially, uh, you know, Ishikawa, that would be pretty damn cool. But uh, him and Okabayashi, that could definitely <laughs> own. I mean, just imagine the running lariats at each other. Where probably after the fourth one, they would probably just fall, you know, out, <laughs> you know outside of the ropes because, you know, so much collision, um, you know, asset protection will definitely be needed with that match. But, uh, yeah, Makabe wouldn't be bad, you know. I, you know, Knowing, you know, I was kind of going down the New Japan rabbit hole on the, uh, on the streaming site because they definitely have improved, uh, you know, where you can look by year and they kind of have matches. You know, where it's not like, hey, you here's the promo. Here's the promo within the promo. So it takes like yeah. 90 minutes just to get through one year <laughs> or even six months of a year. Um, so I was just, you know, I, I was just fascinated by all these matchups. I'm like, this just happened like seven years ago, eight years ago. Okada and Tanahashi fought, you know, at, at um, was it Tentaku or New Beginning? Um, New Beginning, that start was the Okada reign where I was just like, he yeah. won the title there, you know, so that blew my mind. Uh, and, and just all these things and just seeing a Makabe featured uh, and Nikaniano being, you know, a pretty favorable tag team for, for a couple of years down there. Um, some, some pretty interesting stuff. So, you know, I, I, I don't know the, the parallels. I mean, does he still wrestle the same? He did back 2012, 2013 comparable to <laughs> Yano- today, Ryan. Uh, Togi Makaba, yeah, he was just faster, and you know he he was he wasn't as old, so he was doing the same style. But I mean, there was okay. matches with him and Tomohiro Ishii had that were just, I mean, they were the ones that you would go, oh my god, Makabe's in the same block as Ishii, you know, kind of like <laughs> you do with, oh my god, we're gonna get Ishii and you know Sonata or something. It, it was the same as like yeah. that. And to be fair, Toriano used to just power bomb the shit out of everybody before he got all goofy. <laughs> Um, but so here's an example, and, and I say this, and it's one thing Godo would talk about. I'm becoming a fan of Godo. Godo he would, be would be really the champion fun. Carnival. A Hiroki Godo Kento me because he looks to have fun. Rule. He looks to be having that a good be. resurgence, you know, kind of with the younger talent over the last year, where he's found you know, himself. You know, a couple years ago, Godo, I'm like, eh, I get it. I also noticed, you know, back in the early aughts. Him and Tanahashi seem like they faced a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, I got to see what that feud kind of was like. But uh, yeah, Hiroki Goto so, would be damn interesting. So we, we always we always say it during the car, the G1 and then we we forget about it. But when I mentioned the thing where we're always like, man, Makabe, holy crap. I'm, I'm going yeah, over his yeah. G1 right now. Night one against Yoshihashi, three and three quarters I gave it. Then the next or the, the night three or whatever, three and three quarters with Minoru Suzuki. Night five, four and a quarter with Evil. I mean, those are just his first Ooh. matches. Um, night seven, four and a quarter with Okada. What do we got? Night nine, three and three quarters with Tanahashi. What is that? Ten. Night eleven, uh, only two stars, but it was bad luck folly. That was what oh, I was still trying yeah. to find folly. Hey, that's a win three for and- a folly match. 
uh, three and three quarters, night 13 against Adam Page. Three stars with Jay White, but that was when he was doing all that goofy stuff. And then you go yep. to the, the other final, um, and a, a two and a half with Michael Elgin, which is whatever. But, I mean, you look you look at that run he had. I mean, everything was over three and a half for most of it. And it's like, holy yeah. crap. You mean to tell me Togi Makabe was putting on four-star, over four-star matches in, in August? <laughs> I didn't remember that, but at the time I Okada, I want to rewatch that match now. That seems pretty damn, uh, huh, interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, I just, when, when somebody mentioned that, I was like, damn, that would be kind of fun to see Togi Makabe in a Champions Carnival, but. Do you think uh, uh, Togi Makabe could lead the Lakers to a Champions Carnival if he becomes their coach? Do <laughs> you think he would get them back into uh, into contention? Uh, Kota Ibushi and Rapungi 3K defeated Naito, Shingo, Takagi, and Bushi. Uh, thoughts on the LIJ uh, random chaos Ibushi tag? One thing I loved about this was a match I kind of want to see now more than ever um, that I didn't know that I wanted to see, besides, of course, Shingo and Yo, uh, who's or a show that's going to just murder each other, especially oh, uh, we'll get into the uh, best of the super juniors. <laughs> but Kota Ibushi and Shingo Takage would rock. Um, I loved how they were kind of playing off, you know, in the ring to kind of start the matchup. And I was just like, I didn't know this was a match I need. I need to see this right now. Uh, <laughs> when can we see this match? Shingo, move up, please. Shingo, move up. But no, this was a, uh, this was a good match. You know, of course, getting all... Of the rivalries, you know, even though, uh, you know, Yo and, and Bushi were just there. But, you know, Sho and Shingo playing off each other, beating the crap out of each other. Of course, we get T-shirt Suya Naito, uh, you know, going after Bushi there. Um, again, Sho has a hell of a spear. I would say definitely one of the better ones in wrestling today. Uh, you, you could definitely tell that Shingo, uh, you know, <laughs> feels the effects. After every single spear that he uh, tends to take here. Um, no, but, you know, essentially nothing too crazy. Uh, it was, you know, everything. When you th- when you look at this match, who's going to be the fall guy, Ryan? Um, Bushi. Exactly. So you get the Kamigoi <laughs> after getting a, a vicious running knee by a Bushi. To Bushi. It stands <laughs> the eye. Um, so I kind of like that there. Uh, you know, nothing too crazy. It was, you know, fast-paced action. It was just kind of getting off, you know, getting up the, the different matches, not only with the uh, sort of Super Junior Tournament, but, of course, uh, Kota Ibushi and uh, T-shirt Suya Naito there, um, which was nice because uh, Ibushi, you know, you know, you know, calling out Naito, you know, saying, hey, you know, when do you want to do this? Uh, you know, Naito comes back into the ring, and he was like, hey, we can do it tomorrow but the cards already decided and just walks out of the ring, you know? So he's like, yeah, I would do it, but you know, it's not up to me, even though Abushi <laughs> totally had them change the card uh, during the road to shows there. So, uh, but anywho, you know, nothing too crazy. It was, you know, what you expected with the, uh, the fast paced action with these six, uh, six men of the ring. Um, but definitely, uh, you know, I would say it was kind of the same thing with the next match. Uh, Juice Robinson, Hiroki Goto, and the Mikey Nichols uh, defeating uh, Bullet Club again, the second L on the day of their sixth anniversary. J.Y. Bad Luck Fale, 
Um, and uh, uh, who was the other gentleman? Oh, it was, it was uh, Jay Lynch. Oh, Chase Owens. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the big thing that came out of this match was the video um, after Juice Robinson, um, you know, Goto and, and Nichols, you know, get the win there. The big thing was as Juice was celebrating, um, a video, you know, kind of popped up on the uh, the video screens there. It was showing that time, time's up. Uh, a guy had an awesome, uh, you know, essentially uh, brass knuckles brass with knuckle a knife. knife. <laughs> which I was like, he's, uh, you know, insinuating that he's going to murder Juice Robinson? Like, Damn. are we in 1980s pro wrestling? What's going on here? Um, <laughs> but anywho, uh, you know, really cool video. You know, it, was, you know, it showed the uh, the British, you know, lad. You know, he had the uh, je- uh, the leather jacket there. Uh, you know, had the uh, British uh, moniker. So, you know, it was just essentially kind of like the, uh, the previous video as they were hyping the newer member of Bullet Club, uh, but essentially showcasing June 5th, the final night of the Best of Super Juniors tournament, uh, that he, I'm assuming, is either going to call him out, or maybe there will be a match for the IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship. Um, but yeah, essentially the, the post-video. But what was cool about it, Ryan, was they kind of showed during the video like a Juice Robinson match kind of like in the background. So it was like he was watching the match that just ended. So kudos to the uh to the That's production cool. on there. Um, I did not but yeah, it was just, it was a pretty cool teaser. It was really nice. Um, you know, it'll be uh interesting to see kind of how it is. We kind of, you know, insinuated who it could be with the uh recent retirement as you um you and Sue Williams stated uh a couple of days ago uh on episode Kid 120, uh, Kid Lycos retiring, uh, that it possibly could be Chris Brooks, um, RP CCK. But uh, yeah, I, it could be damn interesting. I, I love how uh, he's he he walks. He's walking with a brass knuckle spiked knife and a broken beer bottle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess he's sticking Juice Robinson. This guy's. He's going to kill him. He's, he's, you're right. He's going to kill this. He's going to kill Juice. And so I want to know why he hates him so bad. But it, it just. We'll find it, out it, June 5th. It feels so much to me like it is going to be somebody like Chris Brooks for the fact that if we're doing a U.S. title, it's only been Gaijins that have won it. Yeah. So. My thing, though, is with what, 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 what beef does he have with Juice Robinson with. You know, granted, it's not a, uh, a a a trash compactor or an exploding car or whatnot, but like these are like physical weapons. Is there a history between these guys that we know of, or not that I know of? But in my best non WWE way, how I'm gonna map this out for the listeners on how I'd make this a great feud is. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm I'm a badass dude, and I need something to do. And I've been watching your matches, Juice Robinson, and you're just not that good. <laughs> and I'm gonna come and beat you, and I'm gonna take that title because I could stand to use some hardware now that I need to have a nice little singles run. So I'm bringing my knife, and I'm bringing my bottle, and you can bring your goofy hat and sunglasses, and I'm gonna leave June 5th as the new IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. Bam! Man, you sold it's, me. It's not hard. It's not hard. It's it's very simple. <laughs> <laughs> like like WWE, WWE would be like, 
four years ago, Juice, you were involved in an accident that killed my grandmother's cat. And it times up. <laughs> I'm getting retribution. Juice Robinson, oh, give me what I want. Give it to me. <laughs> You're going to give it to me. Or I'm going to take this knife and bottle and I'm going to continue to hurt everyone that you love. Now give me what I want. And that's how they would book it on, on Raw. Oh, man. R.I.P. Grandma. Uh, and something <laughs> that they did simple yeah. with this next match, I mean, this is just I'm going to beat the living hell out of you. I'm tired of you taking over this company. This is our time. Uh, Evil and Sonata, L.I.J., taking on Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, I mean, this, of course, setting up for night two of Wrestling Dentaku with Evil taking on uh, Ishii and Sonata uh, challenging Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I mean, Okada and Ishii, you know, as we talked last year, with the match that they had, you know, against uh, Will Ospreay and who was it? Um, Not Ospreay, Ibushi and, uh, God, was it Omega? Yeah, it was uh, Golden Lovers. Uh, which quickly turned into my uh, top 20 of 2018. Uh, these, <laughs> these guys are, are fantastic as a team, uh, but Evil and Sonata, you know, just kind of having their leverage, uh, you know, of course, of them picking up the victory. But what was nice about it was Evil getting each, which they beat the living hell out of each other, kind of throughout the, uh, throughout the arena there, uh, which was beautiful. But um, what was interesting about it, uh, Ryan, was essentially Evil put the Scorpion Deathlock on Tomohiro Ishii, which was essentially kind of the move that Ishii's a mentor kind of had there, um, which which was pretty cool. Uh, but he had him in it what seemed like forever, so much that it was a ref stoppage, where you could see Ishii kind of fading in and out there. Um, but what was also cool, so, you know, Ishii technically never gave up. Ref stopped it. But what was crazy is then Sonata gets Okada in the skull end after he was trying to save Ishii. So you have these, you know, young guys in, in LIJ just kind of, you know, again, preluding to, you know, night two, which was just the easiest, but most, uh, you know, I would say, significant booking because it's not like the WWE where you're just like, Oh, well, the champs won, you know, it looks, you know, look, looks like they're going to win again, you know, the, the next event here. Uh, but you know, this, this was just a really good tag match. Um, uh, again, a hard hitting as what you would expect. Uh, but of course I think there was saving a lot of it, uh, for night two, but I thought this was a damn good match. Uh, again, Ishii, you know, having that, that Scorpion Deathlock on him, for what seemed like an eternity um, was, was just something to uh, excellent to see. And you can kind of see that coming in the night too, but uh, I, woo, I love have... the, the, um, the call that you mentioned about the Ricky Choshu sharpshooter, um, you know, WWE would have Choshu accompany him to the ring night too. By God, it's Ricky <laughs> Choshu. It's with him. He's with him. Um, the the results I'm reading said uh, referee Marty Asami eventually stopped the match because he realized that Stone Cold Steve Ishii was never going to tap out. 
That's awesome. Um, it's, by, uh, by the way, credit goes to uh, Gerard De, De, uh, Gerard Detrolio, um, who wrote the Champions Carnival results for Voices of Wrestling. So, uh, good writer. Nice. Does a lot of does a lot of fun stuff. Um, you know what else was the fun stuff? The never open weight championship match. Taichi Ryan had a damn good match, and you know we we've seen some glimmers over the last couple of months. You know, with him and Naito, uh, the the two feuds that they had, you know, within the last year with each other. Um, But I, you know, Jeff Cobb, I think, looked a little slow kind of early on. But this definitely kicked in within, you know, probably the last 10, 12 minutes, you know, into the match, which, again, could be best said for any Taichi match. Um, But they, again, just beat the living hell out of each other. Cobb, what he can do whether it's from flips to pile drivers to lariats. Um, he did a spot. Oh my God. It, it was kind of a, like a gut wrench suplex. Um, and then essentially hitting that pile driver, which was pretty damn amazing. Um, again, Taichi, he wasn't as annoying, even though he did sing upon his entrance. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it didn't take the 20 minutes, you know, that, that, that it usually takes here. Um, but, no, I, I thought Taichi had this a few times here. Uh, but, uh, you know, just when you think Jeff Cobb's going to retain the never uh, championship here, uh, you know, he essentially um, uh, essentially Taichi gets the uh, – uh, essentially, what was it? The 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 buzz kick there. Um, and the then the black kick and then, uh, Yep. And then you know, right after that, Taichi. What what is his third reign as never uh, open weight uh, champion here? But uh, you know, it, it is second. what it was. I think second. Is it a second? He, okay. I think when he won it that first time, he lost it right away to right away um, to Osprey. For some or, reason, or I thought Abushi. then he won it again, then lost it again. So I'm, I'm, it just I'm seems looking like, right now. It just this. Uh, I would say Taichi is your most WWE booked wrestler in Japan, especially <laughs> when it comes to holding uh, championships. But no, this was surprisingly a, a pretty damn good match. Uh, like I said, it definitely <laughs> picked up within the final ten minutes um, of it. So uh, I mean, Taichi looked good, and he he did look physically good here. You know, it wasn't. Taichi of 2017 where you're like Alright man like you know You you could probably do do a little Lifting there but uh, he looked big strong uh, Him and Cobb uh, You know I thought Cobb came out to work um, And yeah now he's Your ROH TV champion Yeah the, uh, So two time champion um, It is official he is defending The title at Dominion yes, he is. and his opponent oh, yeah. has been named Tom Oh Let's <laughs> E-C. And then Ooh. we had an amazing IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match. Dragon Lee defending the title against former champion Taiji Ishimori. Yes, Bone Soldier himself. Um, I thought they were going to go a lot, a lot of different ways with this match, Ryan. Um, but Ishimori, you know, as, as fantastic as he is, made Dragon Lee look good, which we all know Lee can do that on himself but it definitely picked up uh you know probably within the the final 15 minutes how we talked about the uh the okabayashi kento uh, miyahara match where it was like that that final sequence was what eight to ten minutes long i was <laughs> this match probably had a similar final 
sequence where you're like, how is that seven minutes of just nonstop action? Well, you put Dragon Lee and Taji Shimori into this match here. Um, I mean, this was damn good. This was a really good junior match um, and, and kind of different, you know, you know, especially having Dragon Lee as your champion, um, you know, kind of then again, you know, having a successful uh, defense here against the former, but, you know, which is leading to what we're hoping um, to a, a blow, not a blow off match, I guess, but, you know, the match against uh, returning uh, Hiromu Takahashi. Here. So, um Fast-paced action, too much to kind of even showcase. My notes are kind of all over the place. Uh, even where I've said <laughs> so much action, so much. Uh, have Ryan take the lead, but uh, I definitely recommend this match. This is definitely probably. I would after I saw this, I I didn't you know fi- uh, watch the final five nights of the Champions Carnival yet, but this was definitely in my top five, top six matches of the year so far was this IWGP and, and I would say so far it's in my top ten for sure. Um this this was just what you expect and, and for Hiromu when he does come out, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, at the, the final of the best of the Super Junior Tournament or somewhere in between, we all know him and Dragon Lee will and should or I should say should main event whatever matchup that will be, because, you know, people will be snatching up tickets um, as they did for night two. But uh, it was nice to see the juniors Ryan main event, especially when you have a, a, a dream tag match involving, uh, you know, evil and Sonata and Okada and uh, Tomohiro Ishii there. But uh, I, I thought the final two title matches lived up to the expectations, hell even succeeding uh, with as much, uh, you know, kind of pressure as it is, to kind of follow up that tag match there. But then again, <laughs> there was a night too. <laughs> that's awesome though. That that's uh that's that everything's going down like that. Um, you know, just kind of looking at some of these numbers and some of these, some of this stuff. Um, night one was, so the, this, I'll just kind of read this verbatim as to how, uh, how he wrote it in this article, despite adding more big shows, to their annual schedule, and losing some big name talent like Kenny Omega, who main evented night one last year, the show had an attendance of 4,011. That's only 55 less than last year. So wow. losing all of those guys, they were only on 55 people. And apparently night two is already sold out, which means we will get a crowd of over 6,000. Which night two did sixty three oh seven, um, so Hinokuni was down, but about seven hundred people. But to be fair, they you know it's not a knock on them necessarily, but it was a it was a non title Goto J White main event. So I understand mm-hmm. why you know you didn't have the barn burners out for it. But you look at night two here before you run through it here, um, they drew sixty one oh five. It was down 202 people. But if you look at this, last year they went up against Okada Tanahashi on Okada's V11 title defense. So you're not going to outdraw that. But the fact that Sonata still drew with Okada to do that was a really a really big success, I have to look at. Agreed. Um, rumored cards so far, and there's going to be – so so uh, we know Tanahashi Jay White's going to be, I believe, on the best of Super Junior Finals. So that's Final. pretty cool. Um, 
four matches confirmed or in talks, it looks like, for Dominion. And I'll have a fifth one that I think could happen when we get into the best of Super Juniors. But um, the the uh, the three title matches, which you know are, are pretty obvious for everybody to know, Okada, Jericho, Ibushi, Naito, and Taichi Ishii. But a lot of people are saying Liger, Minoru, Suzuki will be a one-on-one on Dominion. Yep. I would say so. I mean, you're building up to it. I mean, seven months is a long time to kind yeah. of build. So, I mean, just let the let the legends just beat the living hell out of each other. It'll be interesting to see how um, Liger picks up the win. Does he do a Liger bomb to the table? We'll find out at uh, at the in June. 9th. What, what I mean, what if we get um. You know the kind of remember last year in the the last night of the Super Juniors when Liger was getting beat up on by Kanemaru and all those Suzuki Goon and they rip his mask off and his he comes back as the big Super Liger again with the face paint on and he just Whoa. starts beating the hell out of everyone like what if that comes down where where he you know Suzuki blades him and busts him open and he rips the mask off. And all of a sudden, he sticks his head up, and he's just, ah! He's got the face paint and the war paint on his chest. Oh, my God. Oh, that, the crowd would go nuts. They'd lose their mind for that. Do you think also, my, yeah, I'm losing my mind right now just thinking of that probability. Uh, do you think the crowd, if they do announce uh, Noru Suzuki versus Jushin Thunder Liger there, that that would probably propel more ticket sales just because, A, they know this will be a damn good feud. Probably one of the only feuds that will have, you know, for, uh, for the next seven months, you know, besides your tag matches and whatnot. For Liger, do you think this will be, you know, probably his big match, whatever they do for the Dome? Um, I mean, I think it's definitely, would be definitely one of them. Uh, I think, I think it's one of those things where the the fans have to know that of you know, there isn't many more of these left. So you got to get in where you can. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's, I think it's you. I think you have to announce it early enough so you really can have an opportunity to, um, to really build more tickets and see more people in that building. Hmm. Very very nice. Uh, speaking of very nice, night two final four matches. Um, that that I saw, you know, of course, you had a your, your classic the tag Young Lion match, a Sans Toa Hanari, thank goodness. Um, so you didn't get your over open weight shot uh, that goes to the store pitbull, which uh, was rightfully deserved, uh, which kind of went because uh, Taichi was talking, you know, some trash during a uh, uh, behind-the-scenes interview. Then Ishii just walks past, and they just look at each other, and there's your title shot. That, that that's how that match kind of came up. I'm like, all right, yeah, I wouldn't want to mess with that guy either. Um, but of course, uh, <laughs> we want a little before the uh, tag match here, just to kind of see if they were going to do anything with Jim Robinson and the time's up. They essentially just played the same video. Uh, this time it was while Juice was walking up to the ramp there. Um, so nothing, you know, too different there. Uh, but this time we did, we do see uh, a debut of a wrestler. They kind of got the same vignette treatment. Um, Dragon Lee and Will Ospreay took on Taiji Ishimori. And a new Bullet Club member, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, trained, by the way, El Fantasmo. <laughs> That's the awesome. biggest secret. But pretty damn cool. Uh, it took a little, 
you know, while for the crowd to kind of get into uh, LP here, but, uh, uh, you know, kind of when he started doing his, uh, God, what was it here? Um, he did an old school, kind of like The Undertaker there, but kind of like yeah. bouncing on the ropes as he's yeah, doing it. It was like a Phoenix kind of does. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, into a fantastic Hurricane Rana. Uh, a thing that he does was he as F. Uh, he kind of spits and drools onto his hand, slaps Osprey on the chest. Um, I was just like, okay, that's different. But uh, apparently Osprey and Phantasmo, uh, you know, kind of have a history um, in the Canadian and, and British wrestling ports there. I'm assuming Rev Pro, Brian? Yeah, I believe he's he's another guy that came out of Rev Pro. I will get an exact for you, but that's what I thought. Um, I, I'm, I'm almost positive, um, but I will, I will keep looking here as you're going through this, but he was, essentially, NWA, uh, he was an NWA, uh, NWA Canada champion. I uh, know. Yeah. He, he, he was, so he was in Rev Pro from 2017 on. Okay. Um, and then he did, uh, some Canadian Indies too, before this. Canadian Indies. To... Oh, man. We're Stampede when you need <laughs> uh, Phantasmo uh, also did a fantastic moonsault, uh, kind of from the ropes onto the outside, nailing everyone. Um, there was an awkward uh, sidewinding Spanish fly by Osprey onto him, um, but to kind of get the uh, get the spot there, um, an off-cutter attempt was uh, essentially uh, did not happen due to uh, uh, fantastic super kicks. That Phantasmo landed Osprey there, um, then hit kind of a, a front-facing slam. Guess I'm not too sure of the name, um, but it was uh, it was kind of like a pseudo Styles Clash, I want to say. Uh, I rewound it a few times again, couldn't really get the best look on it, probably because Osprey was a little woozy at that part there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Phantasmo getting the first win of for Bullet Club on the weekend of their sixth anniversary. But, uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty good. Like I said, it took a minute for the crowd to kind of get into him. But towards the end of the – or at the end of the match, El Phantasmo uh, kind of getting some love uh, from the Japanese crowd. So this is, so this is pretty interesting. So um, I'm trying to track up – or I'm looking at the whole thing. It looks like he was, it, he was in Kyle O'Reilly's uh, graduating class of training in 2005 for a company Whoa. called ECCW. Um, he had trained by Aaron Idol, Disco Fury, and Scotty Mack. Um, he lost his the the ECCW Championship, Extreme Canadian Championship Wrestling title to Kyle O'Reilly, January fourteenth, twenty seventeen. I didn't know Kyle O'Reilly was still allowed to work companies like that. Huh. Uh, maybe he wasn't in the E then. I thought he was. Maybe I'm maybe I'm way off. Um, he also debuted. For Rev Pro, June fourth, twenty seventeen, at Cockpit seventeen, uh, but he was defeated in his debut by one David Starr, which is awesome. Ooh, uh, twenty eighteen, he participated in the British Jake Up and won the tournament. Hmm. Uh, he's definitely so carved his cool. name out there. Yeah, he's known as Mister Ballroom Brawl, um, and he also trained. Uh, with Kyle O'Reilly in that training group was also Gurv uh, Sira, who is uh, Sunil Singh uh, with Jinder Mahal. Oh. 
that's that's some deep cuts right there. Uh, <laughs> and some guy this... that doesn't have a Wikipedia page named Sid Silum. <laughs> Take that for what it's worth. <laughs> well played, well played. Uh, speaking of well played, a rematch from last night. Uh, Lij Tetsuya Naito, Abushi, and Shingo Takage taking on Kota Abushi, Show and Io, Ropungi, uh 4K. Or would it be 5K? I, I don't know the math. Um, Do you think, but hey, real quick, I'm sorry. I have to cut you off again. Yep. But I I, 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 I got to shoot these shots in before I forget. Do you think they pulled Romero out and put Abushi in because they thought it, ticket sales were going to hurt? No, maybe. I mean, I mean you got to throw Abushi in there. You know, like I said, the, the mm-hmm. night before, they kind of had their mic stand down. Um, and I thought it was a little weird because I, I think on the graphic, they did say Rocky Romero. I was like, <laughs> wait, Rocky's doing commentary. Um, so yeah, now that you say that possibly, <laughs> I, I want to say that does sound, sound about right. Uh, Naito was a lot more um, intuitive into this matchup. We see, we see, saw, uh, you know, more of his uh, significance with his moves there, but I would say of a spot that I really, really like just because this match I cannot wait for. Um, there was a beautiful pop-up Spicoli driver by uh, Jingo on Abushi, which just made me salivate before kind of their one-on-one. And I was like, if Osprey can move down, why not Abushi for this tournament? I know that's nonsense, but, uh, uh, you know, kind of yoking, uh, eating the pin, eating a destino, getting, you know, making not look strong. And then, of course, uh, the aftermath there, um, you know, Abushi and Naito essentially agreed for the uh, Intercontinental uh, Championship rematch at Dominion. Um, so that was, uh, you know, obvious, but it was nice to see them, you know, kind of in the ring because, you know, they definitely look like they despise each other. Um, now that he signed for life, you know, you definitely can get your, your Naito feud in. Uh, and like you said, uh, the winner of this will... Uh, you know, have a nice successful, you know, hopefully uh, I see title reign while the loser will probably go on and win the G1 climax yeah. here to take on Okada at the Dome, which again, all signs point to Tetsuya Naito. Isn't well, this it was interesting a, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that, that Yo is, is, you know, like, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this without, without, like, it's already. It's telling to me that they've already decided that show is the guy. And we kind of. I knew that the first match. I was like, "Oh, that yeah. guy's the future." Yeah, that Shawn guy's Michael. way tighter. <laughs> but <laughs> like, just it already because makes... Yo's awkward dancing alone. I was like, "Oh, Yo's <laughs> the Janetti." Yeah, I'm talking, <laughs> man. That, that, that music video too. Where Yo <laughs> forgot about that. The, <laughs> The hand side, but it's like, he's doing the Alex rap video <laughs> fantasy. I'm doing it right now in my chair. <laughs> it's it's like it's almost just telling, like, man, what does this do? Like, is Yo gonna kind of just go on the same path as a guy like Bushi? Is he gonna be no more than Bushi, the eater of pins? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, but that's kind of been his M.O. since they've been a tag, or if they were in many multi-man tags. I mean, yo, I mean, all jokes aside, he could definitely 
uh, wrestle, but he just doesn't have it. It just doesn't seem like he has that charisma. Show he has that anger, that intensity. You know, just like oh, that guy's gonna murder the guy. You know, he's opposing right now. Uh, where Yo's just there. I mean, yeah, he could flex his pecs, but you know, as, as could Derek Fury. But I mean, when it comes down to it, you're just hey, yeah, he's just flexing his pecs there. You know, nothing, nothing too crazy. I haven't because like when Jen saw Rapungi 3K, she pointed out Show immediately and didn't say one word about Yo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, show just, I mean, he just, again, he's a presence where Yo's yeah. just there. He can <laughs> wrestle, he can work. I mean, granted, Naito got out of uh, Dragon Suplex he was trying to get him into, but besides that, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's the of pins until he, he finally throws, uh, you know, show through a uh, barbershop window. And then yeah. it's just. He throws him through that bomb ramen house that we went to by Cork and Hall's window. <laughs> it's got to be in a Rapungi, right? They got to oh, do God. a. They got to film something find, uh, there. Trent there. <laughs> Eating eat McGriddles or whatever they say in that. Eating McDonald's four in the morning. Or whatever he says. Um, I know the next two matches are the big two, but. Um, did you watch the Tanahashi angle? I did I? I was about to say we had your uh, your yearly uh, Shibata type of uh, return here. Um, yeah, Hiroshi Tanahashi coming out. <laughs> no big deal. Which I, I didn't even really notice. It's like, why are they making a big deal? And then I was like, oh, his outfit is stupendous. Um, doing the air guitar, doing all that fun stuff. Um, then he said, of course, he would return at the uh, Best of Super Junior Finals on June 5th, that he would win the G1. Hey, we doubted this guy a year ago and look what <laughs> happened. Um, you know, but then Jay White kind of coming back in, talking some trash, just saying, hey, he was the first to get the, you know, uh, the, the rematch against Okada here. Tanahashi then saying, eh. Um, and then, you know, he essentially, right. uh, you know, Peaks and jumps Tanahashi, tries to uh, get his elbow in with the chair there. Um, but then, you know, of course, he stops and, and sets up Wrestle Kingdom 12 rematch. Um, this is what, their fourth time? Uh, uh, third. White third? Okay. This will be so the rubber what, match. One one? Yep, the second one was the title change at New Beginning. Um, Tanahashi cannot, does not have a good record at the IWGP title at New Beginning, it seems like. Um, my takeaway from watching, because I did see this part too. Um, Jay White says, uh, I jumped you in the line, Tanahashi. Uh, you, need to, you need to get in the back of the line. And I'm talking even behind Goto. Like, damn, he even took a <laughs> shot at Goto. <laughs> I'm like, poor oh, man. Goto. <laughs> this guy just can't win. He's probably That's why the he's going to the carnival. Oh. Yeah. Jay White takes a shot. He's like, oh. <laughs> he gets right, like ham on his elbow. <laughs> oh man. But uh yeah, I heard Next we match. had two two bangers, Alex. Talk I, I would say match of the year just because I am an Ishii head. I, I was really intrigued to kind of go with you because I'm sure you would have said Okada Sonata 
was your early runner-up for matches here, which it definitely can be. But Tomohiro Ishii and Evil, my God. I mean, as I first sentence, a big Haas match here, all Japan style, um, from fighting all over the arenas and then how they're physically compatible is just unreal. Um, Of course, they start off with just punching the living ish out of each other. Um, It was essentially for a moment I was like, yeah, if me and Ryan just started going at it, it would be this opening sequence. (laughs) Just elbow punch, elbow punch, elbow punch. For I'm not kidding, for about a solid good minute, minute and a half there. Um, And yeah, it's it's just beautiful how Ishii, you know, they were saying how the – Ishii was not your your stereo or your 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 typical New Japan wrestler, and how he had to essentially find himself and carve you know out a uh, you know his style you know with New Japan here for, for many many years, and how Evil was kind of the same way. And I loved how they explained the similarities there of just you know kind of the, the strong style that they essentially do, but then turned into a match, you know, evil, you know, kind of attacking a leg that, you know, he, he kind of put the damage with the Scorpion Deathlock from the night before, um, you know, it was really, really cool, um, you know, a, a nice throwback, if you will, even if it was only 24 hours earlier. Uh, what was even cooler, though, was evil when they took the match to the outside and essentially utilizes the, um, the guard on the outside because it's about to, you know, She's trying to suplex uh, Evil over the guardrail into the audience, but, you know, Evil blocks it, puts Ishii on the guardrail, and then essentially turns it into a magic killer, you know, without Sonata. <laughs> so I was like, bravo there, you know, I'm conflicted because, again, I'm an evil guy, you know, as well. As I proudly wear my evil shirts that you got from me from uh, Japan there. But uh, then what was even great, Evil was done. He puts his chair over Ishii's head. Then he does his best uh, carp uh, you know, kind of imitation there. Grabs his chair, swings for the fences, I should say, for the chair. The chair flies off of Ishii's neck. And you're like, <laughs> that's just the first five minutes. So what the hell else is going to do? Um, and, and as I just write, holy expletive over and over. Um, evil nailing a super plus on Ishii. I mean, this was definitely an uh, an evil showcase match. Let's just say, okay, we know what you can do with Okada. We've seen you with Ishii yep. before. We've seen you with Zack Sabre, you know, putting him in programs. And, you know, it's not a test per se because they know, I'm pretty sure they're comfortable with evil as we have been over the last, you know, couple of years with him and Sonata going on their singles run. But, man, Ishii just made Evil look fantastic. From, you know, even while Evil's taking a Germans and lariats and whatnot, uh, you know, the double lariats that they would run into each other uh, again and again, you know, is nice because, again, the appreciation of that from watching the Champions Carnival from all Japan just made me, you know, appreciate, like, no, it's just the battle of strength. Not everything mm-hmm. needs to be a, a shining wizard, an Enziguri, a Hurricane Rana. Like the Lariat is the big man Hurricane Rana, you know, essentially, just depending on if it's a running, a standing, you know, just how hard they you try to knock the other guy down. Uh, but the finishing sequence there, um, a roaring elbow to Ishii, 
Then Ishii, oddly enough, or ironically enough, hitting an enziguri that knocked down Evil, hits a running lariat for a 2-9-8 count. Then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Evil is just staggering and just like, okay, let's try to do this. You know, Ishii hitting the brain buster, the 1-2-3, like I said, a match of the year. This was Big Haas. You know, this was, you know, again, kind of coming from the carnival, just appreciated the living hell out of this match. I loved it. I cannot wait to see where they go down the line. You know, a future title uh, defense when Ishii dethrones Taichi, hopefully, at Dominion. Because let's be real, it's Taichi's MO. Um, hopefully, it will stay that way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, Evil getting a win where, you know, again, it looked like Evil was going to get pick up the victory here. Um, but the veteran does uh, succeed, and, and bravo to both those guys. Evil, uh, he's, he's definitely breaking out in the singles uh, singles end, depending on where they go. Like we said last, uh, last show, we don't know, you know, IWGP heavyweight title anytime soon, but they definitely can uh, make some runs with the card championships. It, it makes sense too to have evil or excuse me, Ishii get a decisive victory like it sounded with him challenging. Well, I mean Taichi coming in the back and you know calling him out or whatever. But with your with you putting him in a title match at Dominion, the number two show of the year, number two, number three, whatever you want to call the best of Super Junior Final, doesn't really matter. But it makes a lot of sense that that you can have him get a victory like that over Evil, and it doesn't hurt Evil, which I think is awesome because is it's just, Ishii. You, Mm-hmm. Nope, continue. You got to have Ishii look strong going into the Taichi match, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that they went that route. I'm glad you, you said that. Ishii, has, has he only held the never t- uh, title before? Is that the only singles championship he's had? Yes. In fan? Yes. Okay. So he'll be a two-time champ. Hopefully uh, the IC uh, will be coming down the line. Man, him and Abushi at the Dome. Woo, but anyways, that's just a pipe dream for now. Speaking of pipe dream, uh, as Okada stated after the match, Sanada, you are my rival. Um, you know, you are, uh, you know, essentially, and it's only getting started. And if they're only <laughs> getting started from this match and from their New Japan Cup just a few months ago, Ryan, uh, be prepared. I mean, I don't know. If, granted, they're the same age. They came up at the same time. Um, you know, Sonata still has, you know, kind of that, that, uh, chip on his shoulder. You know, you, he sees Okada, you know, being a multi, you know, IWGP champ being the, you know, the, the Okada era of the company, for God's sakes, uh, you could see Sonata wanting to prove the doubters wrong, wanting to win this match. I thought this was a, a hell of a match just due to the fact that Okada, you know, so many times, and, and a lot of it was, of course, Sonata trying to get the submission down, and a lot of it was, you know, Okada trying to get the finisher, whether, you know, it was it was always trying to get the tombstone. A lot of that, a lot of counters. This was counterpalooza, you know, within these <laughs> matches, but it was also Sonata getting in, you know, the uh, um, the skull and numerous times where I didn't know what what they were going to do because just like the tag match where the ref had the call because, you know, Ishii wasn't going to give up. I swear Okada was in, in, in uh, the skull and probably the fourth attempt there. I, it seemed like five minutes. 
like, you know, Okada would slip out, you know, he would slip his head out, you know, and then Sonata would just grab him back in, you know, kind of like a snake. Um, so it was, it was pretty damn uh, nice there. Um, you know, again, and, and counters are fine because again, it just means that these guys know each other to the T here. Um, you know, and, and Sonata got out of a few attempts of the Rainmaker. Hell, Ryan, he had his own version of the Rainmaker, <laughs> which the crowd popped. The, this crowd That's was awesome. definitely, I would say 50 50, but at times, man, it was 70 30 Sonata. Hell, Sonata was getting more the chance early on where you're like, oh, we're going to see, you know, a jerk Okada, you know, kind of come through. Because even, you know, <laughs> looks at the audience like, huh, really? Okay. Uh, but, you know, we didn't get, we didn't see too much of that there. But, uh, no, this was uh, this was a, a fun match there. Like I said, Sonata hitting the Rainmaker was definitely a fun spot. Um, but, yeah, no, you know, of course, it finishes uh, with Okada hitting the spinning tombstone. Rainmaker, uh, that's all. But Sonata, so close yet so far. Um, I would say, do you agree, you know, again, when he calls out Sonata, you are my rival. Do you think that's uh, that's an appropriate statement from the champ? Do you think this is something that can sustain New Japan for the next couple of years? No, and I, I don't want them saying if, that he's calling Sonata his rival because I, I don't think Sonata's ever beat him. What, why is he his rival? His rival is Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, so I, just, I, don't, I don't like that. Ooh. I, I think mean, you think... more of an appropriate rival than Sonata since yeah, he's I, I mean, that one W? Yeah, if you're, not, if you're not saying Hiroshi Tanahashi, you'd say, you'd say Kenny Omega. But I mean, Tanahashi, I mean, Jay White even more. But I mean Tanahashi, yeah. that's like I guess I think that's the greatest, the greatest feud in the history of pro wrestling. So I, I mean I I will fight that till the day I go down. And it's like you know nothing against Sonata. I mean and they weren't even in the I don't know it's just weird to me because you figure Sonata was in TNA for a while and Sonata was over in Wrestle One for a while where Great Muda kind of found him and he was the Great Muda's protege. I don't even know why he has. He, I, don't, I don't. I guess somebody needs to liven me up as to why he has history, even to say something like that. Yeah, during because of course I listened to his commentary. They were they were showcasing history, saying that they both came up. You know, they they were you know mage. You know, kind of all this uh, fun stuff there. But yeah, they were definitely playing it like it was a Michael Cole saying the big dog. AJ Styles <laughs> took on Sonata and TNA. Title. What? <laughs> Shout out to uh, Sonata's all blonde everything uh, and his new new uh, gear, his new blue and yellow tr- uh, tights, <laughs> and his, his blonde beard and full blonde hair. And yeah, he cool. looked uh, he looked interesting. I mean, it was weird to see the non uh, faux hawk. That's for sure. <laughs> Just his flattened hair. It was like a Ryan Cook special. But seriously, yeah. Styles, jeez. He has, like, blondish hair, like yeah, orange, black, like, brown. Wow. Yeah, and he looks like a little kid. He does. He does look like a child. That's nuts. <laughs> um, but, no, I I mean, the, the final two matches, uh, fantastic. Uh, a good debut by El Fantasmo here. Of course, we'll, we'll see a little bit more with the best of the Super Juniors uh, coming up. But, again... 
the big news is I tried uh, hiding from you as I texted you <laughs> the morning I uh, was watching uh, from the morning of uh, as I got spoiled through my Google feed. Thanks, Google. Um, thanks, AI. Uh, and that's Iverson. Um, I was like, Ryan, don't go on the Internet. What? I was like, just don't. And then I was like, Ryan, if you watch New Japan, because they had it on their menu, which, come on, really? Yeah. But I was like, Ryan, have Jen or someone else put it on <laughs> for you. Turn it off. Don't look at the screen. And then, of course, someone spoils it to you via a message. Hey, what do you yeah. think of Chris Jericho Okada at Dominion? I know I'm pumped. Um, I'm, I wish I didn't get spoiled, but honestly, Ryan – Hearing the crowd reaction and not just watching the video by itself was awesome. The crowd was pumped when they showed Jericho onto the screen when they, you know, when he was talking and challenging Okada, uh, the crowd was hyped. So, which then made me hyped. So uh, what are your thoughts, Jericho Okada at the Minion? The the pain maker versus the rain maker, as he called it. Um, I think it's awesome. I, I had said before that I, I felt like Jericho is going to still do something with Okada and Tanahashi before he's officially done. We're getting one of those now. And I still think there's a chance Kenny Omega does something with New Japan at some point here, too. So it, it doesn't surprise me. I really I really felt like this was going to be the way he goes after the Naito thing. And it's exactly what's going to happen. Um, but it was it was more of a... It was less of a, ah, I knew that was going to happen, as more of a, ah, cool. It's a breath of fresh air because we're going to get something big and new at Dominion. Kudos yeah. to Japan for pulling the trigger. So it, was, it wasn't one of those, like, it knocked me off my feet, but it more just gave me a sense of relief that they're going to do something special at Dominion as they should, which I thought it was just going to be another Okada J. White match, to be honest, which is fine, you know, but we've seen it. I don't. I kind of want to see something different, and that's what we're getting. So this is this is a great booking idea. Whew. I, I mean, he's the goat. I mean, it, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I I, I can't expect, and I, I don't want to overhype the match, you know. But I mean, Jericho has just proven himself over the last what two years here uh, that that he could definitely go with anyone. And someone with Okada, it, it, it's something special, something of a dream match for sure. Um, and as as Demetrius says, a let's go. Um, speaking <laughs> of let's go, we also uh, caught some. Real quick, before we go to the Super Juniors, the one thing that, that I've loved about Jericho is he's gone to that Terry Funk, um, like semi-muscular fat guy who just brawls through the crowd. And where a lot of people can be boring, a la, as you, you know, you referenced the carnival again, too. It, it, this isn't Johnny Valletta boring of just wandering through a crowd yeah. going, ha, ha. This is Jericho doing things. And, yes. Excuse me. As we saw with Naito and Omega, they were able to adapt pretty well to his, his style and give you, a, you know, four and three quarter star, five star, four and a half, whatever anyone had in those matches. But he's in there with the king of adaption. So Okada is going to be able to do wonders with this style. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to over-deliver because we've never seen Okada have this kind of a match. This is, like, oh, I know it's not a full-on, like, deathmatch-type 
violent situation, but the first time this is the first time I think Okada is going to be out of his element, you know, with pile drivers and on the floor and lion tamers and brawling through the building and you know going all over through Osaka <laughs> Joe Hall as they probably ask know him. Where. Yeah, things like that. There's going to be no, and, and then he gets to sell the way he sells. But yeah, do you remember? Do you remember the first time we saw? a certain guy who has been on top for a long time, have his first big street fight type match was Randy Orton at backlash with Mick Foley. I know it's not going to be that same sort of brutality, but the way that everybody got to go, wow, Randy Orton went out there and did that. And we've never seen him do that before. This guy's a big deal. We already know Okada's a big deal, but now we get to see him potentially be in a different element and if he succeeds in this, it's just another feather in the cap of Kazuchika Okada. So mm-hmm. that's what intrigues me the most about this match. And this is why I'm so glad they did it, because I wanted to see Jericho Okada. I wanted to see a 25-minute walk through the crowd and then go have another 15-minute in-ring match. You know, and that's what we may get. And that's why I think it's going to be so fun. Ooh, man, you just sold me on this. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, th- and that's the thing. We know what the outcome's going to be, but it's just thinking of where is this going to place on a match of the year, I think, is a little bit more significant, it seems like, than than even a title change, which, you know, is, is just going to make it a lot of fun. Um, I mean, June 9th, I know I'm going to be there for, for Double or Nothing, I might try to show up on that Sunday as well. Uh, <laughs> Dominion's going to be a damn good show. Um, oh, Sonata tap into the calf killer. Um, that was a pretty damn good match, actually. It's weird to no. see Styles with short hair again. Yeah, man. It, it was it, was that when he was wearing his robe, like the Ric Flair thing? Uh, no, he was just wearing his, okay. his hoodie. Okay, I wasn't sure. This was like title Bullet Club. This was like pre-Bullet Club tea or like well, leading that, into like, Bullet Club. No one when he was like all depressed music and stuff. This was like in Japan though, but he's defending the TNA title. Yeah, this was probably when he was like that that no one instead of the phenomenal one and he came back and he wore like basically and he has like Brian Cage as his like muscle or not it's not Brian Cage, but it's like a big swole dude. On the outside, they just walked with him. What the hell is going on? It's crazy. He went all emo for a while when he was when he came back after he left the company with the Dixie Carter thing, and then he basically carried that into the Bullet Club angle, but then made it look cool and not look like oh, this sucks. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the whole AJ cheating storyline from TNA. Good you, God! You that picture I sent the group chat of the um of the AJ shirt where somebody's tweeted him. How about this at AJ, AJ Styles or Oh yeah. He <laughs> tweeted back. I wish I could tell you this was the worst thing TNA has ever come up with. <laughs> <laughs> um, before you, my you God, his name's off. the great Sonata. Yeah. So he took he type stuff. Yeah. They, when great Muda started wrestle one, Sonata was his first champ, I believe. And then, Muda got all pissed when Sonata left. He's taking on professional uh, pants pisser uh, Rockstar Spud in this match. But damn, he looks awesome. 
Yeah, he was as Sonata or as Muda. They made him, and what I thought was cool is they made him 1990s Muda, not like Mm -hmm. the not the like the 2000s with the insane skull helmets and wild wacky shit that he wore to the ring with like dragons coming out of his arm and stuff. They made him the original in like old Muda, which to me told me if he would have always stayed with Muda. Eventually, they would have evolved Sonata the same way Muda evolved into that darker character, which I thought would have been cool. But do you think I mean, they would ever go back to that Muda character, no. the Great Sonata? No, because we don't. Hmm. I I think the only reason we even saw Muda on the in, on the 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 G one Supercard in that Battle Royal was because American fans know him as part of New Japan. Whereas New okay. Japan to me probably thinks of him as this dude left for all Japan and then he started Wrestle One. He's not a New Japan guy. Whereas I think Ring of Honor probably is like, hey, this would be cool if we did this. Wow. Uh, I did want to say before you get into the Super Junior, I think it's awesome that Brody King is going to be working like the Young Lions on undercard matches of the, the tournament. Oh, so what it's confirmed, Young Lion matches, that's what going to be a part of? Uh, I thought he was just going to be walking girl to the ring. <laughs> no, for the, like, uh, I'll, I'll pull up, like, I'll go, I'll go to the actual cards, NJPW1972.com, baby. If you go to the schedule, uh, so, like, the 13th, the opening match is Yuya Yamura against Brody King. Whoa. So like you know the 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 next night it's Ishimori and Gato against Skrull and Brody King. So like I think when Skrull's in matches in the tournament, because then it's Yonosuji on night three against Brody King. So I think Brody King's gonna be in there just roughing up some young lions. Ooh, very nice. Oromu. So this just started in nineteen ninety four. The uh the the best of the super junior tournaments here. Liger's won it. Wow, Tiger Mask has won it quite a bit. Tiger Holy Mask moly. has two wins. He, he's well, Tiger Mask four, four. won it twice. Yeah. Um, he's he won it back to back. He's one of like five people that ever went back to back. But he's been in every one for the last eighteen years. Wait, there's 2006. It just says Minoru. Is that no? That, that was couldn't he, be. Um, okay, or Minoru. Minoru Tanaka, I believe he is is uh what he what he also goes by. Milano Collection AT. What? Yeah. Who yeah, that's uh who's now commentary. Who's who is a big part of uh Toruman, which is Dragon Gate now. Okay. And then you got Devit Abushi Tsuguchi, Devit Ricochet, Kushida, Osprey, Kushida. And Takahashi, who would have known uh, three quarters of them would be up in Connecticut or Orlando, <laughs> but uh, doing ring duty, right? stuff. Yeah. yeah, doing the ring duty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what a joke! So look at these blocks, man. Block A: Takamichi Noku, Titan, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Marty Skrull, Jonathan Gresham, Sho, Shingo. Dragon Lee, Taiji, Shimori, and Tiger Mask 4. Block B, we get Robbie Eagles, Flip Gordon, El Desperado, Bandito, El Fantasmo, Will Ospreay, Bushi, Ryosuke Taguchi, Yo, and Rocky Romero. Holy shit. <laughs> <Like> those <laughs> bloody guys, man. 
I don't think there's wow. a weak one in the bunch, to be honest. Because no. we know Taguchi definitely comes to to wrestle when it comes to these tournaments. You know, last yeah. year's uh, you know junior uh, tournament, I was like, wow, that that kind of opened my eyes from not just comedy wrestler Raisuke Taguchi, you know, or famous ass wrestler Taguchi, but uh, <laughs> actual grappler Taguchi. Who's your weakest link in each block? Uh, I mean, I would say Teton. I don't think he really did too much last year. You know, yeah, we were. I think we were both a little disappointed. I think he was in okay. 2016 with the one he was in. Let me look into it. But yeah, that that would be my opinion too. Is is Teton is your probable worst? Because look at Tiger Block. Tiger Mask ruled last year. Yes, he did. Yep. Um. I, <laughs> Yeah, Tiger. So Tiger Mask won in '04 and '05. He's been in everyone since '02. Teton was 2013. Okay. Who was the guy last year? They were like, "Oh, this Luchador," oh, and then it was like Volador Junior, which I'm glad. Oh, uh, okay. Teton <laughs> Volador, same thing. <laughs> it's definitely not Heel Master Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Still one of the coolest I lo- nicknames. I mostly. love Kanemaru. So okay, I'm with you on Teton. Is is Bushi, Romero, or Taguchi probably the lowest in the other one? Because it's not Eagles, it's not Flip, it's not Despy, it's not Bandito, it's not Osprey, it's not Phantasmo, and it's not Yo. Probably not I, Bushi I, or Romero. Romero. Okay, what would you what would you think if they would have pulled out Teton and Romero? Mm-hmm. And even though you know they're not getting wins, put in Shota Omino and Ren Narita. I would be a hundred percent okay with that. Wouldn't why? That why better? not? Would, I think that would have been really cool. Do they usually have they done it before putting young lions into these tournaments? Or I'm sure they have, but I don't. I don't recall them doing it. But I, I, I would think during some of the because they were the in the cup. Well, yeah, wasn't and, one of them just in the cup? Yeah, uh, Shoto Amido. He worked uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. Correct. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But w- with me going back to talking about how I think this young lions crop could be the best they've ever had, why not put those guys in there and just have some of these matches? You, you know, I, I, I understand the reasons. Yeah, and and I get it that you're not going to do it because they're going to lose to every single Tradition. person. So that it makes every match obvious that they're in. No, because you're going to have Taguchi, you know, getting rolled up. You're going to have, you know, uh, Robbie Eagles getting rolled up. I mean, you can get them their wins to get the crowd. Like, okay, hey, you know, we're not going to have them win. But, uh, you know, pull up a few surprises or be, you know, spoiler for some of the wrestlers, I think would have been a nice angle for uh, Aminu and or Narita. Or I, I kind of wish they would have brought back Eli Kawato for one of the spots, too. Because mm. when the hell are they going to bring back Oka and Kawato? I mentioned Oka with the, the Time's Up guy, but, man, it feels like they've been on an excursion for a long time. <laughs> Since 2016. Um, Yeah, that's a damn good... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, Romero, I, I kind of like on commentary, to be honest with you. Um, you know, of course, he's got a wrestling too, but uh, yeah, I, I would I wouldn't have been opposed uh, if you threw one or two young lions in there to uh, Romero, not to Gucci per se, but definitely Romero or, or Titan. Um, some big things that I like May thirteenth, 
Uh, we get Dragon Lee, Ishimori, Shingo and Sho, Skrull and Gresham, Teton and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and then the old-timer, uh, which might just be a fun match with Tiger Mask and Takamichi Noku. Those are going to be mm-hmm. some awesome matches. Um, the 15th, you want to talk about a technical match, Gresham and Taka. That's going to be awesome. Uh, yes. The 18th is Shingo and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. The 19th, we get Bandito and Desperado. Could you imagine if they just go, all right, you got 15 minutes sprint like it's Hiromu and Desperado? That'd be hella crazy. <laughs> Um, we, we get the t- uh, Duntaku rematch, Osprey and Phantasmo the 22nd, Osprey Bandito and Dragon Lee versus Shingo are on the same show on the 23rd. That's oh, going to be awesome. Uh, 26, we get Osprey Robbie Eagles, which will be fantastic. Mm-hmm. The 31st, we get uh, Shingo and Ishimori and also Sho and Jonathan Gresham. And then on the 3rd, we get Taguchi, Osprey and Phantasmo Desperado, which could be you know, just like the Shingo Ishimori could be a, a block winner decision type match like we saw with Suwama and Nomura. So mm-hmm. there's some really good matches. Uh, here's where my weekly Hiromu conspiracy theory comes into play. What if they go the route of Devitt as the champion winning the tournament and Dragon Lee wins and they give him the opportunity, all I said with Miyahara, to pick his opponent? And that's when they have Hiromu come out, and then they set up Hiromu Dragon Lee for Dominion. Hmm. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> as long as they don't do a triple threat, but I mean, I you know, where if he doesn't win the tournament, um, and the winner goes, and then Hiromu comes out, ah, uh, that's a big crop. That's a lot of talent he has to win. But I mean, to solidify your champion, then. You got to make them look strong. So, I mean, that, that that would not be a bad, you know, kind of uh, uh whoa, good thing I didn't say what I was about to say. But uh, would it be a bad uh, thing to, to incorporate into your story there with uh, with Hiromu and Dragon Lee, uh, essentially, to set up their showdown? Yeah, so I, I just, that kind of intrigued me that, man, you know, if they do go the route of, of having him run the table, because um, he's over and they want to keep solidifying him, why not have Hiromu walk out and go, well, why don't you face me then in a week at Dominion? <laughs> My God, yeah. I'm, not even a week. That's the crazy thing. It's like four days from there. Um, <laughs> these blocks, I mean, it's insane because of how stacked they are. But but one guy who I hope they give a, a, a great run um, you know, the, the ACH plus treatment, uh, Jonathan Gresham, uh, fans yeah. were getting into him, you know, kind of, uh, the last little, uh, run he had with new Japan, but man, Gresham against Shingo against show dragon Lee against, you know, uh, bone soldier, Taji Shimori. Then you got, you know, against, uh, OGs like tiger mask and, and Taka, like you mentioned, you know, their matchup second or third night there. Uh, I mean, that's going to be Freaking fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's so many, there, there, there's really not a weak link, honestly. I mean, you, Romero, you know, can, I'm sure can still go. We know Taguchi, you know, when he, when he puts his uh, right uh, ass pants on, you know, he, he could definitely go and, 
again, in the B block, you get Bandito versus, I don't know, anyone, <laughs> you know, whatever it's El Desperado, Osprey, Phantasmo, Bushi. We know Bushi, you know, could definitely have a nice uh, little push here. So, um, I mean, Flip Gordon making, you know, I- I'm assuming, no, he was in a Super Junior tournament prior, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, I think last year he was in. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, Robbie Eagle, you know, uh, it's uh, this is going to be a damn good time. If you're not into New Japan Pro Wrestling, A, well, thank you for listening so far. Uh, but B, uh, this is definitely a tournament to, to get excited for. Um, yes, it's it's like a Champions Carnival, but this is going to be fast. This is going to be furious. Uh, and, yeah, hey, it starts just in a few days here. So. <laughs> or Monday, I should say, Monday, so. Yeah, Flip last year was his first one. Um, guys with the, um, just kind of looking at their the experience here, uh, Yo was in the 2015 and 2018. So 2015, Yo was in it. So that was he was a young lion. Hmm. Um, so they put – he had zero points, so he, he lost uh, every match. So that's exactly <laughs> what happened. So they did do it. I, I had a feeling they had done it with one of these current guys, but I wasn't confident enough to say it. Um we saw Osprey. His he won it in his first year, 2016. Was also in 2017 and 2018. Uh, Ryusuke Taguchi has been in every year since 20 or 2003. Wow! Except for 2005, he missed. I think he was injured. Um, he won it in 2012. Romero was in 04, 05, 06, and then 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Did miss the last two years though. Uh, the sniper of the sky is Robbie Eagles in his inaugural tournament. Flip, as we said, was in last year. The headbanger, El Fantasmo, making his inaugural debut. The rogue luchador, El Desperado, was in it the last two years, along with 2014. I'm assuming he was a young lion then, or he just stopped because of the tag thing. Mm. Uh, the jet blast death mask, Bushi, has been in every year since 2012. Bandito is also making his inaugural year. You go over to the A block. Uh, Heel Master got the last two. Teton mm-hmm. was in in 2013. As we mentioned, the Golden Tiger Tiger Mask has been in every year since 02 with back-to-back wins. Takamichinoku was in in 94. Then 11, 12, 13, 14, and then 17. Uh, so him and, him and Despy must have been doing the tag stuff then. Uh, Bone Soldier Taiji Shimori was in last year along with 2010. Uh, High Voltage Show made his debut last year. The Dragon Shingo Takagi is making his inaugural year, and he might be the favorite to win the thing. Uh, Villain Marty Skrull was in the last two. Uh, One of our favorites, the Octopus Jonathan Gresham, making his debut. And Dragon Lee was in the last two as well before this year. Wow. a lot of a lot of new but a lot of old, which is which is a good way to do it. So it's going to be fun. Do you think Desperado will have a good run to kind of get him back on the singles track here? Yes. You know, we we loved him back in 2018. Uh, so him and Bushi having some some pretty intense battles there. Uh, let's hope. There's. Let's hope. De- I mean, Desperado is is a is a homegrown young lion product, and. I, I truly believe that that one of these days he's going to finally get his rub as champion. So I always think that they want to keep him hot just enough so when they do want to pull the trigger, they'll be ready to go with him and people won't won't be caught off guard. And uh, just wanted to say something, too. I know there was a match uh, 
that I really liked on the road to Dantaco shows, um, the IWGP Junior Tag Championship match with uh, Rapungi 3K and LIJ, uh, LIJ getting their rematch. Um, I highly recommend the match. It's a smooth 20, 22 minute type match there. Um, but I mean, obviously, you know, they're, they're still champs. They finally break the Sasha Banks curse um, and, and kind of <laughs> get their first uh, defense, uh, you know, kind of uh, victory there. But uh, one match I, I highly recommend for the road two shows. And that would be, that would be it there. Uh Good fun stuff, though, man. Really, really good fun stuff. Uh, trying to see... Oh, of course, it doesn't have what I was looking for. That's fine. doesn't matter. Uh, so, what do you... Uh, where, do you where do you want to go here? Um, obviously, we're in, we're in uh, overtime here. We still <laughs> got a couple things to talk about. Three matches to talk about and some fantasy booking and a couple other random things you got sitting here. Um you want to you want to talk the three matches from the other Japanese promotions quick? Knock those oh, out. Oh yeah. So we got some really good wrestling once again as we've been continuing our journey around Japan and the global world, and as we have not been having to watch uh, whatever I don't know what it's about, but something called the WWE Wild Card Rule that has been extremely confusing and taking place. So I said, "Great, don't tell me about it. I'll find out at Money in the Bank." And I'll see if I laugh at it. Let's just say <laughs> strongholded by uh, probably Fox and USA. Let's just say. So, so did you read? Have you been keep, have you been reading the dirt to keep up with any of this stuff, or where have you been? No. on your sabbatical. No, I I just saw a random tweet about the wild card and someone trying to lose their uh, their patience and their uh, their mind uh, trying to explain it. I said what. I was like, that's a, it's, it's just so stupid. <laughs> Did and you then there was a headline that? saying that Vince McMahon and Networks com- uh, compromise with the wild card rule, which I'm like, dude, you're effing it up. Must, it must be something where they're going to have certain wrestlers work both brands. But yeah. what I'm confused is, if it's a wild card rule, is it something where like, oh my God, um, you know, uh, Baron Corbin just pinned Bobby Lashley. He just took his wild card spot. Now Baron Corbin gets the challenge for titles on both brands. So now he's going to work both shows until somebody beats him. Don't give him an, like... don't give him credit. No, they're they're not that smart. Come on. That's true. Okay. Well, and I I thought it was. I don't know, but I I doubt that. I highly doubt that. Because <laughs> that would be, I would laugh. I would I would hysterically laugh. Like, oh, cool. These guys want to work more. I don't believe that crap. Um, <laughs> I'd be trying to lose matches, but no, I, so we've been, we've been developing more and more stuff. And this week we, we checked out a couple things and Isaiah wanted to call in, but I told him it was going to be a late show. So he couldn't, we almost had good old Isaiah Davidson calling in again. Oh man. Uh, big Japan ran, ran a huge show on, uh, May the 5th. I'm going to go on cage yes. match so I can pull up the entire card here. Um, to, to make sure I give it the the credit it's due. <laughs> so dumb uh, question. Uh, I'm assuming the Big Ahas match, uh, or I like to say the Bulls. Um, that wasn't the main event, right? Because how could they follow uh, the the Kodoka uh, Takahashi match? That was yeah, the main, was, correct? <laughs> yeah, that was the main event. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so, um, the Big Japan and Endless Survivor 2019 show. What's a good Big Japan? A lot of people just kind of laugh and go, oh, isn't that a deathmatch thing? Blah, blah, blah. No. Kenta Kobashi did commentary, and Kenta Kobashi was in the ring presenting titles to people. So, uh, hell no. Uh, they were at the Yokohama, the Bunka Gymnasium in Yokohama. They drew over 2,400 fans for this show. So, wow. this is by no means just better than indie- SmackDown on Tuesday. <laughs> So you, you said that twice now. Did you read somewhere about their, their attendance? And if so, what was their attendance? Because I am dying. I know what their know. attendance was, but I saw a picture. They said they literally taped up the uh, the all the top. Um, oh, and essentially, the, the, the camera side was literally empty. They had just the camera people. And like I told you once at SmackDown in Two Falls, it was essentially the same thing. It was like, why is there no one on that side? Um, I did read one report saying it was awkward that the wrestlers didn't placate to the actual fans that paid money to see them since they did all the posing and everything still to the hard camera. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just again, I don't know results or anything. I just saw from the headline and then the picture of the arena and got awful. Okay, so I I had to do it. And it doesn't look like there's anything weird from what I'm seeing. So this doesn't spoil anything for me, which is beautiful. Um, I went on cage match because they give you the attendance. And so I I can see the card, but I don't know results. But I don't see any different people. So I did great. It doesn't spoil the SmackDown SmackDown shakeup. I almost called it. Good God. Um, (laughs) But it doesn't even list their attendance on the sh- on the, on the page, and they do wow. that with every event. So WWE didn't even release an attendance. But here's your here's your here's your one WWE spoiler that you'll never know about. Can you tell me what the dark te- it says dark tag team match? So they ran a dark match that was a tag team match before the show. <laughs> Take a guess as to what this dark match was that the the fans, not the not the viewers, but these loving fans that made it to the building got to see. Was it the B team taking on Anderson and Gallows? Uh, it was not. Uh, would you like to take another stab, or would you like to know the correct answer? Was it Anderson and Gallows taking on? Oof. Um, I don't know. Was uh, no, the Hardys are done. Yeah, so just throw it at me. <laughs> the dark tag team match was Otis and Tucker Heavy Machinery taking oh. on the tag team of Jinder Mahal and Shelton Benjamin. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Whew. They should have threw that on the uh, on the TV oh. screen there. Holy moly. I just got lightheaded from laughing. God, that company! I can't. I, God, that company sucks. Look, I'll tell you flat out. Now that we've conditioned ourselves to not have to watch this, I think going and watching Money in the Bank, laughing at it, I think it's going to be okay if I don't watch Raw and SmackDown every week. Because even though I leave it on as background noise, I don't even think I care anymore. I mean, yeah. unless they blow me away, I'll probably. I'd rather watch. I rather watch WCCW honestly now yeah. than, than that. So um, at this this big show, real quick, we'll just kind of run over the undercard, and then we'll get to the big two matches that were I, I thought they were fantastic matches. Um, it's one of those things where these companies in Japan 
continue every show to put out quality. And it's just, it's one of those things where if, if American fans knew the stuff that they're missing and that every company is hitting on these, all these cylinders, like the two mm-hmm. we're going to talk about tonight. And we're not even talking about Pro Wrestling Noah, which is going to do the big Takashi Sagara rematch uh, going against Kaido Kiyomiya in a couple weeks. That match is going <laughs> to rule. Um, well, we had uh, Akira Hiyoto and uh, Takuo Kato defeated Kosuke Sato and Yuki Ishikawa. Uh, Shinobu and Yuya Aoki defeated Kota Sekifudo and Tetsuki, Tetsuhiko Yoshino. Six-man tag match, we got Kankuro, Hoshino, Ryota Hama. Uh, Hama, Isaiah likes him. He's the huge sumo guy. And Yasufumi Nakanoe defeated the team of Okame, which is Daichi Hashimoto's lazy ass, and Hideyoshi Kamitani. And they tagged with Takuya Nomura. Uh, Takuya Nomura was also on the Giant Baba Show, for anyone that watched that. Um, and then a in a Yokohama shopping street six man tag team title hardcore elimination match, we saw a title change. The team of Abdullah the Kobayashi, Hideki Suzuki, and uh, Yoshihisa Yuto lost the titles to the team of Ryuji Ito, Takashi Sasaki, and Yuko Miyamoto. Uh, Miyamoto went out first by Yuto. Uh, Ito then eliminated Yuto. Ito then eliminated Hideki Suzuki. Kobayashi takes out Ito, and then Takashi Sasaki finally eliminates Kobayashi to win the match, which then I'm assuming takes us into the last match before intermission so they can clean the ring in a hardcore junkyard tag team death match. Uh, Takumi <laughs> Sukamoto and his good old friend Masashi Takeda defeated the third generation Kimidoro Bros, uh, Takayuki Ueki, and Toshiyuki Sakuda. Uh, that was 1545. I heard. Takeda did something extremely nuts in it, and I cannot find it anywhere, so I need to watch this match. As you all know, I love Masashi Takeda. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm assuming that was intermission, which then we go to our second title match. Uh, Kazuki Hashimoto, defending the Big Japan Junior Heavyweight title, um, is defeated by Tajiri. Tajiri is your new Big Japan Junior Champion. Wow. Um, So we had two title changes. Um, in a cross promotion with Pro Wrestling no- or with All Japan, which continues to be awesome that these guys are continuing to work together, uh, we saw the All Asia Tag Team Champion Sweeper uh, Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto uh, drop the All Asia Tag Titles to Kazumi Kakuda and Ryuichi Kawakami. So another title change, two Big Japan guys winning another set of All Japan titles, just like Strong BJ did from the Violent Giants. So. They continue yep. to trade belts between the companies, uh, which leads us to our big two matches. Um, Alex, we saw another title change. Daisuke Sekimoto, who was my number two for wrestler of the year, um, and the tweet that I posted uh, on the internet and which responses said, yeah, I'm not crazy by flipping these. Uh, Yuji Okabayashi is your new Big Japan Strong Champion. Yeah. Uh, this guy is... I think this guy's number two for my wrestler of the year right now behind Miyahara. That tournament solidified it. Everything he's been doing in the tag scene with Sekimoto. Um, he got a four, I think a four and a quarter star match. I gave it um, out of Daichi Hashimoto, which is, oh, here we go. Big Japan Deathmatch Survivor Finals card. Um, 
Strong tournament, one world contender, Yujiro Kabayaki, Bayashi defeated Daichi Ashimoto. I went four and a quarter. He got a four and a quarter star match out of Daichi Ashimoto. Um, Okabayashi's been on fire. This, this, when I say four and a quarter, don't let that think that it was a letdown with how great these two have been this year. It's just, you could tell it wasn't the focus of the show, so they didn't need to do it. But they, they did enough to put on a really entertaining match in 1824. But I feel like when they have the rematch and they're the headliners, yep. we may get the That may be the five-star banger that they kept inching towards. But they in, in, it's not like it was bad by any means. Like I said, I went four and a quarter. But you have to like that kind of match because it was a lot of Boston Crab yes. holes. Yes. And we are two brutes that are going to beat the hell out of each other and wear each other down. I mean, and he's then both locked horns for, what, the first two, three minutes. Yeah. Just trying to, you know, do the feats of strength, which was fine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and there was nothing wrong with that. You know, if I wasn't, you know, prim with the uh, Champions Carnival and, and how Okabayashi and, you know, the, the few Daisuke Sakamoto matches you've shown me, uh, I, you know, would have been like, okay, why is he having me watch this yawn? But I was like, who's going to outpower the other? How is this, you know, like whoever does this is going to be, you know, the, the clear winner here. But, uh, you know, Sakamoto, you know, Oka, you know, gets him up. And then, you know, the headlock, you know, which again, the headlock is fine. But when you see all that muscle mass, you're just like, how the hell can you sustain that? How is he still <laughs> breathing natural air? Through you know the 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 muscle upon muscle here, um, but no this this I get what you're saying because watching the time that was on the match here I was like oh okay this is gonna be like an eighteen twenty minute match where yes I was expecting a little more um, you know in in I guess the dramatics of it all but I'd say you know when they're uh, you know kind of trading off torture racks. But Okabayashi <laughs> saying, no, this is my move, bruh. Which you know, awesome. like it was just kind of one-upsmanship, you know, kind of throughout this match. Yes, it did, it did tend to go a little slow, but it was fine because we get a Okabayashi super uh, plex brain buster from the top up there. Oh, my God. This was, this was like a pre-setting <laughs> to next year's King Kong versus Godzilla. This was Kong versus Godzilla. I cannot wait to see more of this. Of course, I'm sure we're going to get the rematch, like you said, with Okabayashi getting the title there. But this was a match where you saw 20 lariats in the last three minutes, you know, into the match, which was totally fine. Uh, and, uh, my God, the power bombs. How he could lift Saikamoto like that. Pure strength. Pure, brutal, honest, honest strength. It's, it's almost like what I said about the Hulk Hogan axe bomber. When you watch a guy like Yuji Okabayashi put Daisuke Sakamoto and then reverse in a headlock, if you're if you're if you suspend disbelief and you go in the reality of what you're watching, and this is something where you can't do you can't get away with in a lot of American companies because they just they they get too antsy. But yeah. if you sit and appreciate it, these are two giantly built men, as you said, Godzilla King Kong. And they're trying to squeeze the other's head to pop like a zit. <laughs> and if you think about that, as you said, breathing real air, it makes it so much better. And I could see the average person going, oh, it was like a three-star match. But it's like people said, ah, Canelo Danny Jacobs was boring. They didn't really do a lot. When, I, when me and Elijah did standing eight cut on Sunday, we talked about how that was the fight of the year. 
but we're mm-hmm. also purists. We love the sweet science of boxing. We like watching a showdown between two guys that are that seem so evenly matched they can't one up the other one. As as somebody who loves that style of wrestling, and as you mentioned, Alex, with you getting more accustomed to this, we were able to appreciate this match for what it was, and that's mm-hmm. what really hit home with this match. And I, I, I kind of feel like this was a situation like they did with Nomura, where Big Japan went, look, Okabayashi got a lot of steam all over the internet and around the world because of how great he was. Arguably, you could say the MVP, aside from Miyahara, of that cut yep. champion carnival. Let's put the strap on him while he's hot. And if we need to, we could go back to Sekimoto tomorrow and it ain't going to hurt either of them. And I, I, so I think it was a strong move if that's why they did it. And now you give them the rematch and Sekimoto can go, okay, maybe mm-hmm. I took you a little lightly, which I shouldn't have because we've been, we've been tag champs all over <laughs> Japan, but I'm going to, I want my title back. And <laughs> now you really start banging out the match. So that's why I thought that they, they did a, and they did everything they needed to do without taking anything away from what we're going to talk about next. Uh, <laughs> the Big Japan Deathmatch Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Sami Kodaka got got his his title shot after beating the the rival Masashi Takeda, the guy he could not beat in the Deathmatch Survivor Finals back in April 14th. Uh, this was a 200 fluorescent light tubes and fluorescent light tube tower deathmatch. But we see Asami Kodaka defeat Masaya Takahashi in what I hope from the minute that bell rang. I said, look, Tak uh, Takahashi, I think has. I'm, I'm looking at it. Yeah, he's only had he's only had two defenses. Um, he only he he beat Masashi Takeda on November 11th for the title. Only defended it twice. Um. So, you know, it wasn't like he had a huge reign. And to be fair, too, he had his first title reign uh, only for 106 days before losing it to Takeda when Takeda had that 449-day reign that, you know, potential wrestler of the year he got last year from it. So mm-hmm. Takahashi didn't get the the, the longest run. And, he, you know, wasn't it wasn't this giant success. But I think they did a fantastic job giving Asami Kadoka the title because – Kodoka, he held it uh, from April 11th of 2013 until May, or yeah, November 11th, excuse me, till May 25th. He beat, ironically, beat Shuji Ishikawa for the deathmatch title <laughs> in Ishikawa's only run. But Kodoka held it five years ago, six years ago. So he had he's had such a resurgence from that match with Takeda. Uh, I believe it was June 25th of last year. And they told the story so well after bringing Kadaka and in bringing in Takeda, as that was Takeda's first title run with the title too. But they told the story. Kadaka finally beats Takeda to win the win the the block and the whole tournament and the survivor, and he gets the title change. He cut that great promo at the top of the ladder when he beat Takeda, and he he got it. It was the feel good moment. The crowd was behind it. I mean this this match was. I went four and a half on this. And it, and it, I want you to sound off on it too. But the last thing I had before, you know, I'll have you go and then I'll say a couple things about it too. But what I said to you when you were texting me about it was the difference between a lot of the deathmatch wrestling, what people think was combat zone wrestling and things like that, is these guys are all good, capable workers who incorporate mm-hmm. the deathmatch aspect into spots. 
you know, Kodaka's getting beat up and he can't manage to hit Takahashi with a light tube. So finally he gets him on the ground. He takes the light tube, pulls out, it opens his shirt and shoves, shoves the light tube down the back of his shirt. And then soccer ball kicks it into him because he knows he can't get, he can't get away from it that way. So Takahashi says, all right, bitch, and takes the shirt off to show the wound on the back. And yeah. Just, <laughs> Come on, baby, let's go. And now the crowd's going, ho, ho, ho. So Kodaka, all right, and they just start going back and forth with tubes. Takahashi says, you want to you mess up my back? Puts like eight tubes on the ground, beats him with a, a folding chair, slams Kodaka on him, and tries to put him on a Boston crab over shattered on glass. It. Kadaka goes, I'm not having it. So then he just starts using him like a human vacuum cleaner back and forth all over the glass. <laughs> like, I understand it's senseless violence in a way. <laughs> Excuse me. But they're working psychology into this. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think as opposed to just crazy deathmatch, you had 2,400 people in the building for the show because you're, you got good wrestling all around. It's just they're giving you two different styles. So you're, it's like you're going to two shows in one with good wrestling all around. So that's that's my big take from it. Um, what did you think of this main event? As, as, as you know, this is, I think, the third death match I've recommended to you. Obviously, the other two are both Kodaka versus uh, Masashi Takeda. So your, throat, your third Kodoka, or Kodaka match, ironically, because he's been in every one of them. But what did you <laughs> think of this match? I, I would say it was pretty damn cool when uh, to start things off. Kadaka pulling out the sword as he's getting introduced. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay, we're this is gonna be interesting. But uh, I mean, how they started with submissions early on, you know, trying to to gain an advantage. Again, I was a little ignorant because I'm like, okay, it's tubes, tubes, tubes. I mean, they're slamming it on their opponent's head, on their heads. You know, and then, you know, finally, you know, once once you're kind of down to 50 tubes, you know, then they start, you know, incorporating wrestling moves into there. And like you said, you know, it just turns into, you know, a two for one in a one brutality of a matchup. Um, I, I mean, when when you're when you get a suplex on the apron, when that's your safest move of the match early on. You know something, you know what you're watching is, is pretty damn crazy. Um, I mean, when he whips, uh, Kadaka whipped Takahashi into that line of tubes, and then him smashing his head onto them, just uh, just insane there. Um, you know, as you mentioned, the tubes into the shirt and then the kick just to see them explode, and then him just, you know, saying, no, bring this on, just uh, pretty amazing. What was also cool is when he set up that three-dimensional hashtag of light tubes, um, yeah. and then he does the Hurricane Arana. Granted, he kind of had to flip himself onto the tubes to, move, to get the move over, but still pretty flippin' impressive. But let's not, let's be real. Jeff Hardy, uh, 40-foot ladder, Ryan Cook killer, um, was insane. The superplex off of the ladder that Sakahashi oh gives God. to Kodaka. Um, that it that ladder was in the big. air for like five seconds. Like it was that was like it. It was like when you drop like a penny down a well and you're like one, two, yeah. three, and then you hear it go <laughs> and you go, okay, that's how far a fall is. Like he had him up, and they're like, uh, here we go, we're falling, and we're still. And they that just was a WrestleMania found, 17 ladder. Like it was that so was perfect. huge. The bump 
they landed identical. Like they landed yeah. at the yeah. exact like you couldn't it was it was like a video game. It was perfect. Like I'm like, good God, this is good. This is so good. <laughs> The Coupe de Grace that, you know, uh, Kadaka, you know, kind of hits. But I love that finishing, you know, two-second sequence where, you know, you could see Takahashi just, you know, as I'm sure, I don't know how Kadaka's moving as well, but just kind of being a woozy. He blocks, you know, kind of, Kadaka blocks the the suplex, delivers the brain buster. Then he, you know, kind of gets a knee. Uh, Takahashi blocks a kick, but then Kadaka bounces, hits a running knee, bounces back off the ropes, delivers a super kick to end the match. Like, brutality at best. But again, like you said, you know, once you get past the winces and the grimaces of seeing all these light tubes and thinking, hey, how are they able to breathe, you know, with all the remnants and the (laughs) dust and everything? B, how is that ref, you know, only wearing one small sort of, you know, rubber gloves? And then see the audience. It's like being at an old time Gallagher show. Like, do they give them, you know, kind of the uh, the ring coats or whatever? But uh, yeah, they, they like hand them out to the fans, and then the young lions will stand there and try to block the debris as well. Oh my gosh, it was just uh, it was a a war. I, I highly recommend this. Look up uh, Asami Kadaka and Masaya Takashi. You'll be able to find it um, online as well as the brutal. Uh, Godzilla King Kong match from five. Uh, <laughs> I I tremendously recommend these. The, these will be matches I'm sure um, that we'll talk about uh, maybe during our 2019 WrestleCast Radio hey. a half. Uh, we never even gave the results to 2018, but hey, <laughs> that's in the past. Um, would you it Would you climb that that ladder, Ryan, for a contract to have let's say three years atop the wrestling business would you climb climb that giant ladder before a contract um if, if it guaranteed seven, you top spot in wrestling no matter what boys ran in that ring and held that thing down as much as they do for these guys maybe i'd do it because <laughs> then i would then i just go work for vince and I would just just do promos the whole time, and I wouldn't have to wrestle. <laughs> hey, that's even perfect. But yeah, no, this was money. a. Uh, I mean, it, again, once you kind of get past the the tubing um, and, and whatnot, because you know, again, for for ten minutes, I was like, oh boy, where, where is this gonna go? Um, but but it definitely it's an art. Like I Snapchatted, you know, the the coup de gras that uh, that Kadaka hit. And I was like, this is art. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, no one can do that. Like, for them to make something as minuscule as what CZW sometimes, you know, made it look like to give it that reputation, it was just something where it's just like, ooh, they're doing actual moves. They're telling a story. A story where it's just like, okay, Kadaka's the man. Who's, you know, who's next in line? I don't know their talents exchange for hardcore death of matches, but uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where the rest of the future goes for uh, Big Japan. What, one thing, too, that I'm really intrigued by was those last two matches were very good. I want mm-hmm. to see the rest of this card. Like, if... if I mean, we had, 
we had five title changes on this show. Five of the last six matches were all title changes. So this is the company kind of going, all right, here we go, new direction. It's the Endless Survivor show. We just finished the big Survivor Deathmatch tournament. You know, their Deathmatch G1-style tournament. So, you know, let's go somewhere else. What are we doing? It, it made me feel like this show, if those two matches were just a, a coup de grace of the rest of the show, I mean, I'm not going to lie. This, this could be a show of the year candidate if it's the rest of it's that good. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. You know, if, if you give me you give me two matches, two or three matches that are above three and a half and the rest are two and a half three-star specials with how memorable those two main events were, you got a really damn good show on your hands. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's something that wins the show of the year, but I think you definitely could talk about it and it's, it's going to be in a conversation. That's for sure. Because those matches were hot. Those matches were hot, man. God damn. Uh, yeah, yes, they were indeed. I mean, and then we had a Dragon Gate match. There was oh also <laughs> Angelus of Wonder that is a Dragon Kid. I, I will say this right off the bat. If they didn't have that weird goof in the middle of the match where Pac went down on the ground for looked like whatever he was trying to counter and Dragon Kid kind of ran and stopped. And then they both just kind of stared at each other and didn't really do anything. And then Pac stood up and the Dragon Kid awkwardly kind of just walked them back into the corner and Iris yeah. hooked them. And then they turned it into a Hurricane Rana spot or whatever. Like if that didn't have that weird style of a hiccup, man, I was ready to, I was ready to throw four and three quarters at this. Cause Holy shit was this, this, this match. I mean, I, I still, I think I, I probably went four and a quarter on this match. And it would have been higher if that wasn't such a memorable, like six, seven second botch. Like it wasn't just like a botch. This was they stopped. See, I didn't think just... really because I I Snapchatted that part because I thought it was cool because I was like, damn, Pac just literally clotheslined him to the top rope. Jordan's like, yeah, it was cool, but you could totally see him lift himself. Oh, that up. was dope. That was dope. I'm not. I'm talking about it. Go back and watch maybe in the first 10 minutes of the match. And it's when they're mm-hmm. doing their back and forth, like opening sequence type stuff. Yeah. And Pac falls on the ground to do like a roll up when he misses a, like dragon kid misses a kick and he like falls over to roll him up, but he misses uh-huh. dragon kid. So dragon kid just kind of stops and looks at him and Pac looks up at him and then Pac slowly like backs up uh-huh. and then he stands up and dragon kids just still standing there staring at him. And the Dragon Kid just grabs him, even though he wasn't doing anything, and just walks him into the corner like they're practicing. And then Irish whips him, they go back to going and having a killer match. But it was like, it was just this weird, like, lull where they didn't know what they were doing, but instead of grabbing a hold to talk about it, they just kind of mm-hmm. st- stood there. and didn't do anything, and it was really awkward. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try to find the uh, like the timestamp on it and, gotcha. and share it to you here before you know uh, before we're off. You know what was a little awkward too when I'm pointing out. I was like, man, Pox totally biting on some Ishikawa uh, hitting that tombstone <laughs> on the apron. Oh, I've been put. God. Yeah, it was. Uh, this was a nice brutal match. It definitely took a little bit of time, but I would say yeah, past that ten minute, fourteen minute time type of threat. The, the match definitely picked up um, uh, Dragon Kid You know I, I love the, the veteran You know he's looking to stop Pac The reign of red um, And yeah I, I thought this was a, a fun match um, 
Pac. I, I forgot how great uh, Adrian Neville, that bull bullshit of a name. Hey, it's Aftercast now. Um, you yep. know, and, and just <laughs> yeah. Pac. It just resonates, you know, where he is the bastard that will beat your skull in. Uh, the beautiful tilt, tilt to world slams. Um, and, I, you know, that, that he endured on, on uh, Dragon Kid, the multiple tombstones. Um, but I would say, man, Dragon Kid and his uh, Hurricane Ranas are freaking beautiful. Uh, and the camera work that they had that Dragon Gate did, really awesome aerial view shots. There was one where uh, Dragon Gate um, drop kicked him off of the top turnbuckle. And then, you know, uh, while Pac was on the turnbuckle, uh, Dragon Kid goes, runs and drop kicks him. So they're both now on the top turnbuckle. And the aerial shot just kind of shows it above before Dragon Kid hits a super uh, Kenrana on Pac. And, and just the way that it was shot, it was just so beautifully made where I'm like, wow, more wrestling needs to showcase aerial moves like that. Or, or just, you know, the, to, to make them seem big and important there. But uh, it was, uh, this was a, a fun match. Uh, I forgot the usages of the tombstone. Um, it seems like is the new Larry of 2019 in Japanese promotions, but hey, it works. It's effective. Um, it was uh, it was especially when it's off of the uh, the second rope as well. Yeah. I, so if you want to pull this up here, I'll kind of give my thoughts too. Um, when you if you pull this match up, go to 22 minutes and 30 seconds, and then let me know when you get there, so that you can hit play and I can kind of hear your expression as you as you go through this. Um, just you said twenty two. Yep, twenty two minutes and thirty seconds. It goes. It goes for the like the next like twelve seconds, and it's just. Did you already get to it? Uh, I am getting to it here. Twenty two thirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's kicking him in the head. Oh, Dragon Kid's getting up the might. He's like, yes, hit me. It's like he's the Joker from Dark Knight. Or I should say Batman. Sorry. Hit me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. He must have thought <laughs> he was on 205 Live again. But yeah, that's totally like, Dragon Kid right there. Yeah, it was like, yeah, and Pox like, huh, huh. Dragon Kid's just like standing there like, uh. And I'm like, what? no, this is going so good. What? No. So that oh, really took Oh yeah. I just watched it no. again. Yeah, he's like, Oh, sorry. Let's do this spot <laughs> here. So I think he was gonna come off the rope and kick him. But Dragon Kid hooked the rope and Pac Phantom bumped for no reason. Must have been watching a Charlotte match. Jeez. <laughs> but it's just like, damn it. Now to be fair, they won another ten minutes after this and it was tremendous. Mm-hmm. But I mean, no, that that clothesline where he, he clotheslined him onto the top rope, I've never seen it before. I don't care what Jordan says. That was awesome. That I was, loved it. That was so innovative, so dope. Man, that was tight. So I, I'm all for that. Dragon Kid got great sympathy. He's had some great comebacks. You know, we, we talk a lot about Miyahara and Ishika and, and and uh, Okabayashi, you know, as of late, and guys like that, you know, Will Osprey too this year has, has just been on another planet. But 
when do when do we realize now we because obviously we don't watch enough Dragon Gate. Maybe we should be watching more Dragon Gate because you could argue Dragon Gate's the number two promotion in in Japan. I want to see what this card oh, drew for the show DD, before DDG before All Japan. That's impossible. Uh, well, so like the King of DDT second round drew three ninety two to Hokkaido Dragon Guy at Aichi and Nagoya and. So yeah, they they ran the Dead or Alive in Nagoya at the uh, Aichi Prefectural. Um, Dragon Gate drew f- almost forty six hundred fans to this show, which is wow. more than the first Duntaku night. Yeah, damn, so, that's crazy. Yeah, you know, and to be fair, I I truly thought DDT was because of how many shows they run, but I mean Dragon Gate draws they draw really well, and I I underestimated that, and you know, watching that match too, you look in the crowd and it's like. Damn, there's a lot of people in that crowd. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so kudos to them for that. But it just obviously with all elite, we'll be able to see more as well. Um, cage match, by the way, Daisy Sakamoto, Yuji Okabayashi, and Asami Kodaka, Masaya Takahashi are is their uh, match of the matches of the the recommended so far going for this month. So they they thought the same about it too, but. If if this is what we're going to see out of Pac on a regular basis, and you know, like I said, we're not watching enough of it, maybe, and that's why. But when do we? When does Pac get inserted into that talk for Wrestler of the Year category? Because he just he looks incredible. Like he, it looks like he didn't miss. He didn't miss a beat. I, I couldn't. Like he was, he was flawless in that match. I mean, minus that hiccup, whether you, mm-hmm. you know, whoever gets blamed on it. You know, I remember I put over that match he had with KZ um, earlier this year yep. that I gave I think four and three quarters to, almost five stars on. He had another really good match with Masato Yoshino this year too in a title defense. I'm sure his stuff with Adam Page is going to be great. I mean, it it shows that you know I'm glad this dude bounced from WWE because he's. He's tremendous. He's well, everything. Even he when he was, was he was in our talks for 2017 wrestler. Of the That's year. very true. Good call with that. I mean, very he true. was all on our top fives, if not top tens, you know, within the six, seven range. So, I mean, talking to, you know, a lot of listeners, fans and friends, you know, during that time, Pac and or Neville was a high on those lists. Look what he did with 205 mm-hmm. during that stretch. That's true. That's That's very true. I, it's just like, man, he's he's good. He is so good. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, watching that body of work with you know, and Dragon Kid, look, I'm I'm not um, I, Dragon Kid's not what Dragon Kid used to be. That's you know, and that's that's just what happens when you're wrestling for as long as Dragon Kid has. I should see when he when he made his debut here, because um, that'd be an interesting Dragon Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 43. Yeah, um, he made his debut in '94, so he's been wrestling for 25 years. So he could I mean, still go he, at it. Yeah, and he, I mean, he came off that the injury. Uh, he had that, I think, a chest injury or whatever with after the Shingo. He had, I think, a leg injury too for a while. So I mean, he's had injuries, you know. So it's it's fine, but he still can go out there, as you said, and, and do what he needs to do and do the job. But man, Pac took him to a level that I haven't seen him have in years. Yeah, he definitely brought out the uh, the best in 
in the kid here, um, or as I like to call him, the uh, <laughs> I won't call him that, but uh, I forgot what I texted you as like Dragon Elder or something like that. But uh, um, <laughs> could it be something? I mean, do, do we know if him and Liger ever faced each other in their story career since you know they've been kind of seems like they've been going uh, the same amount of time? Jeez, I forgot about that move. Mishinoku driver off of the top rope. Oh my Steve god, Bowl. I thought he killed him. I thought oh he, my god. I thought he killed him. Like how Pac got <laughs> his head tossed. <laughs> Dude, this match is was that remind <laughs> me to put this in the uh the top twenty of the year because holy just off of that move, yeah, he spikes him. If, <laughs> if that match didn't have that extremely noticeable hiccup. This would be in my running for match of the year. I, I'm not saying it doesn't make the ballot because it still might be. And maybe, maybe I, maybe I should go higher than a four and a quarter. Maybe I should go up to a four and a half. Maybe I shouldn't hurt, hurt it that much, but out of the three we watched, which one would you revisit again? Multiple or revisit again in like, let's say a month. Or who would you recommend someone to watch out of these three matches between Pac Dragon Kid, Okabayashi, and and Daisuke Sakamoto, and uh, and Takaha- uh, Masaya Takahashi and Asami Kadoka? Wow! Whoa, wow! So, mm, damn, that's hard. You know? Oh my I god! Think you, I think it's I honestly. I think you show. Yeah, I think you show Pac and Dragon Kid just to kind of whet their appetite and say, okay, then you got to simmer it down. That's when you show the Okabayashi match. And then, you know, if say, what else is there? That's when you show them the death match. So, so let me say this. Uh, I think the Okabayashi-Sekimoto match was my lowest rated of the three, but mm-hmm. I thought it was my favorite match of the three. Ah. And yes, I rated it lower because of what it was, but that was also the reason I loved it because that's exactly what I want to see two tag partners who are, are clean and have, have no disrespect and are honorable and, you know, want to do, want to do what they can the best for wrestling. That's what I want to see out of them is just a good, straight, clean brute strength fight. Yeah. But I think, and, and the death match was, was incredible. And I think the thing that I liked so much out of the death match was the fact that they, um, they gave him uh, Asami Kodaka the win. So that made that match special to me because I've watched the last year of uh, of, of Asami Kodaka, <coughs> excuse me, because of Basara. If you go on the DDT app that, that we have, um, mm-hmm. he usually made events, a lot of the Basara shows that you can watch on there. So, so wow. you have an easy access to Kodaka if you want to check him out more. And he does stuff that isn't deathmatch on there too. So, you know, he's in a company that he isn't deathmatch wrestling in, which is why, you know, his finish was a crazy kick sequence spot, spot with counters and finally a super kick because he doesn't need to have a deathmatch finish. He just did some dope wrestling to win the match. So <laughs> that's, that's what I really liked about that. But gosh, you get rid of that, that little hiccup, man, this Dragon Kid Pac match with the fact that Dragon Kid's 43 and the fact that you can truly argue that Pac right now is one of the best wrestlers in the world. God, that match was good. Maybe, maybe I still go four and three quarters and I don't penalize it. 
Like I think I, you swayed me to higher. Like I, I truly think you swayed me to to rate it higher than I than I did. I I'm happy I was able to sway you. I think this is the uh, second sway in uh, in three shows here. But yeah, uh, yeah, just kind of watching the last uh, you know kind of five minutes here. Um, I mean, the emotion is definitely there. Dragon Kid, you know, looking like you know he just one punch from Neville and he goes down. He's he gets up, you know, staggering. Come on, give me some more. Give me some more. I mean, that right there, emotion is just as impressive as a move set, as a sequence, you know, I, I say in wrestling, you know, as much as, you know, crowd, you know, reaction as well. And, and the crowd was definitely hot for these, uh, for these two guys. God, I love that clothesline spot. He literally goes to the top turnbuckle. That's, that's damn, <laughs> that's, that's, that's nothing I've seen before. They, they, they did some very simple things and made them great. Um, yes. There was a spot where they're both slowly getting up dragon kid before Pac. And instead of letting Pac get fully up, he just jumps and does this spinning roundhouse kick right to Pac's face. And Pac takes the hardest bump I've ever seen off a kick from that from that move. Meanwhile, we see Dragon Kid go for a spin wheel kick in the corner. And Pac just catches him and just runs across the ring and gives him like a, a goofy giant slam style Ishikawa suplex um, after catching him from a spin wheel kick. Mm-hmm. Just like, nah, nah, little guy. Bam, it just dropped him. And then <laughs> the culmination of the, the bastard himself, Pac, winning. And let's not forget the dramatics, too, where they play yes. both national anthems. And you can yeah. see um, Pac, when he had won the title from Yoshino, I believe it was Yoshino he beat for the title, when they started playing, I think it was the British national anthem, he charged across the ring and attacked Yoshino and, and beat him up, disrespecting the, the, the theme, but he didn't care. So that when KZ wrestled Pac, he turned away from the flag and just watched him to make sure he didn't ambush him too. And they kept showing <laughs> KZ and Yoshino on the floor there because um, they were the seconds for Dragon Kid because they're all in maximum. So they kept, I don't know, like not knowing the history if he did, that's why they kept showing those two on the crowd is because he went through those uh, two. And, then and now is Dragon Gate the only company to do that, by the way? Because I did put that in my notes. I was like, interesting. They're uh, having a salute and honor during the pre-match. Yeah, they'll they'll do the national anthem for the for the main event for the Dream Gate. Interesting. And and if you look at when they did the British national anthem, the Japanese national anthem, Pac looked like he was like biting his fingernails to charge across, but he wasn't going to do it. <laughs> like, and it it makes so much sense as to why he's like that. And you know, the she brings over the like the certificate for the victory and he just slaps mm-hmm. it out the chick's hand and everyone's like, You're a douchebag. Like, oh it's just God, this is good. I've I've worked myself into a shoot on how much I like this match in the last five minutes talking to you. <laughs> Cause I, I'm glad I, I can help. About, like I keep thinking about the storyline and what they're doing and this and that. And here's what's crazy is that wasn't even the main event. No. The main event was the five flag uh faction disband match that they would usually do. But this year what they did was they had you you had you would have four flags on the top of a steel cage. Here there would be it'd be a cage match with poles coming up the side. And you'd have all five factions going on would be in this match and whoever climbed to the top of it 
um, and got their flag, they were safe, essentially. And okay. um, if, if you didn't get it, you'd get, you know, they would have, the units would have to disband at times and things like that. So it was, it, you'd have to work to try to win. So this year, the way they did it was, if you didn't, if you were the guy who didn't get to pick your pick the flag, it's either you or somebody or whoever leads your faction has to kick somebody out of their faction. Whoa, uh, that's interesting. I like that. And then the twist they threw in was, if you grab a flag, you can kick somebody out of your own faction if you choose to, if you grab that flag. Hmm. <laughs> and with, with R.E.D. here, they've been showing a lot of distension with Big R. Shimizu and Cyber Kong, Takashi Yoshida, and Ben K. And not necessarily Pac, but some of the, some of the underlings have been, have been quarreling amongst themselves. And, you know, things like that have been happening. And then they add the stipulation. And, well, you know, Big R. Shimizu, you're in there. If you grab one of your flags, you can kick one of the members out. So they added more of a twist to it. So I really want to see that match. Um that the styles show guy um when he when he posted the when I watched the Pac match on there and sent you that link, I commented, I was like, Hey man, if you get the, the flag match, you know, I'd love for you to post that. So maybe we'll get that up there and if it pops up, I subscribe to the guy now and I'll I'll send you the link and let you know. Nice. Um Oh yeah. I'm subscribed and locked and loaded for more. Because that's <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's pretty damn cool. And this guy's posted everything up too. So I mean, we're getting. This is where I got all the big Japan stuff. Was I watched it right on that dude's thing? So there's a lot of good stuff that this guy seems to be posting. So hopefully he doesn't get flagged and shut down. But we'll see what happens. Um, six minutes left in the this, this show for sure. This the, our our free hour of recording that's probably not live now. It's only on the download. Will end in six yeah. minutes. Yeah. So, um, do you? We got the John Moxley fantasy booking, why WWE is doomed, changing of an AEW match, double or nothing, and much more. We're not going to be able to do all of that. Um, we'll talk to AEW probably on uh, on our our Monday show here, um, especially after we do the first night of the Best of the Super Junior ooh, review ooh. there. And hopefully Super Strong Style 16 will drop over the weekend as well. Oh, yeah, that'll Sorry, significant in. others, but we'll be watching yeah, that instead. Yeah. Um, it's going to be like how we did Bola, back to back to back. <laughs> <laughs> um, my big uh, question for you is, uh, I was watching a preview of the events upcoming this week, and they're saying Pro Wrestling Gorillas and Mystery Vortex 6 is happening uh, today. Actually, tonight, I should say. And uh, apparently, it's kind of like the um, the progress, uh, you know, kind of uh, that one show where it's just random matches. You're not really told the card before. They, they do have, though, um, you know, kind of their hardcore matchup where it's question mark versus question mark. Do you think a John Moxley, even though he just booked an MMA movie role coming up here, do you think Moxley shows up at PWG later on tonight? Oh, I think it'd be really cool, but I'm going to say no, because I don't really remember him, unless I'm wrong, ever doing PWG, so I don't think he has the ties to it. Yeah, but so it's, it's something different, something new. He's breaking out of the uh, the prison that was uh, based out of Connecticut here, so, I mean, why not? I feel like his... I think the the thing that makes the most splash for Moxley, and this is going to sound really crazy, but I think the biggest splash for him, and I think it's a good, 
um, a good boost for, for the company that could probably use it. I think him showing up at a random CZW show would be the biggest splash uh, because that's yeah. spent his career. And I look, that's not what I want to see. Cause I don't, I don't look for CZW online. I don't know where to watch it. It might be on high spots or something. I don't really care, but if I'm DJ hiding those guys, that's the first thing I do is I, I contact him and go Mox, my God, you're back. Or, you know, he's got ties to Gabe because of Dragon Gate USA and the Kamikaze USA. Maybe he Ooh. shows up in an evolved. Although it has, you know, ties still, you know, to. Yeah, I was going to say, although that everyone goes, oh, I told you it's a work. There's so <laughs> many people that think that that Boxley video with how great it was produced was funded by WWE. It's all work. I'm He's like, got no, that shield of money, yo. Yeah, that that video was better than any crap WWE's put out anyway. So don't don't yeah. tell me that. Don't do that crap. But as I said, I want to see Moxley work Game Changer. I want to see him work Joey Janela. I w- or I want to see him work Masashi Takeda. Give me Moxley K- uh, Takeda. Man, him versus any of the rascals, that'll be uh, pretty damn interesting. But him and Zachary Wentz would be awesome. I, I would love to see him and David Starr. Uh, you know, yep. Starr's been, been my guy over the last six months. You know, he can kind of uh, pertain any style of wrestling. Um, David Starr, that is. So whether it's hardcore, straight-up wrestling, uh, comedy, you know, whatever, whatever have you, as we know, as John Moxley can adapt to as well. I think that that would surprise and and make people say, okay, this is a, a guy we remember. We remember, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, uh, or even you know, kind of the rise when he was the uh, the U.S. champion with the Shield. Here it was like, all right, this this is the guy here, um, and and just kind of getting the eyes on there. But uh, uh, Takeda, whoo, if he go, if he does a death match, goes to Japan, does a little excursion out there. Um, I guess he doesn't have to have a tie to any promotion. Um, do you think he'll be freely allowed to work promotion to promotion like that? Oh, God, yeah. It's going to be like Cody Rhodes. He's just going to do what he wants. I get, I'm i almost positive. And, and he didn't even have to go to Japan. Game Changer has been working pretty closely with some of those companies. They've, they've now booked, you know, the, the, the spring ah, break. True. That's, the, that's the second time they booked Takeda. Because he worked, um, he worked their deathmatch tournament. I mean, what if they do something uh, from the newly announced Escape from LA that's going to be happening yeah. during SummerSlam weekend? Why yeah. not do something yeah. around that time? If if you don't want to do, if you're not doing the Janela thing because of AEW, give me. This might not be everyone's cup of tea, and I don't even know if it'd be any good. But you want to talk about crazy? Give me John Moxley, Nick Gage. Oh my gosh. How would people not want that? That'd be great. That'd be fun. <laughs> um, we got about 40 even seconds. Him and, even him and Janela, I think, would be a damn fun match. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Moxley and Janela. You could have a hardcore match without the craziness <laughs> that they're both normally had. It could be like the Adam Page match. It'd be tremendous. Yeah. Um, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash WrestleCast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Radio, TuneIn, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor FM. Hit us up on all them at WrestleCast underscore SSM. WrestleCast Radio on Facebook. Um, I don't know when we're coming back. It'll be pr- it, it, probably Monday. Maybe it'll be before because who knows? We've been doing two, three shows a week because we've been watching so much great wrestling on our sabbatical. We're about to end. 
As per normal, second show of the week always goes way too long. We apologize. Thank you all for sticking around. One second, we out. <laughs>